spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa! Take it from ourselves! But isn't that stealing? How is that stealing if we're stealing it from ourselves, dude? And welcome to the Fansplainers. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. And this week... We're recording, right? This is recording? <laughs> this is recording. Okay, we're recording it, for sure. Whether it, uh, whether it remains recorded after we finish, that's another question. Oh, okay, all right, fair enough. We might erase ourselves from reality, which is appropriate. <laughs> we put ourselves into the hands of the podcast gods. Okay. Yeah, so this week, spe- I guess I was going to say, speaking of gods, there aren't actually any gods in this movie. What am I talking about? But anyway, speaking of well, well, speaking of movies, okay, I guess you're right. Would death be considered a god? No, I was thinking Jesus Christ is in it. Oh, uh, that's true. Yes, right he does. Off the top. He has quite a few appearances throughout it, actually. Okay, but yeah. Um. Well, since we're pussyfooting around, let's get right to it. We, uh, Ian and I watched a new movie for a change instead of an old movie. But this new movie is based on an old movie, so we kind of straddled the stoop. We fell between two stools, is what I'm saying. Uh, we watched Bill and Ted Deface the Music, which is, mm. uh, I thought it was going to be all about Todd, uh, Todd Rundgren's group Utopia's album, Deface the Music. It wasn't. That was a wow. Mu- that was a music joke there. Wow. And, uh, and let, me, let me just quote another song. That first cut was the deepest. <laughs> Baby. I know. <laughs> Please keep listening, everybody. <laughs> it only gets better. Or not. <laughs> and then the question will be, did this movie get better uh, with uh, as being the third film in, I guess, a trilogy? Uh, we'll I guess it now that. is a trilogy, but I guess the 30-year-in-the-making trilogy. Yeah, if you're not counting crazy. the two TV series. I don't think you should. All right, then. I don't think you should count those. Though, uh, I got to say, on a just complete side note, uh, one day I was doing an improv show, and the two fellas who were uh, playing Bill and Ted, because mm. uh, they shot that in Vancouver, yep. uh, came by and just hung out with us and were very, very nice. I'm sure the they TV were. People. I'm sure they were. And they were, the, they were both the TV Bill and Ted's in the live uh, show. Yeah. We, both, both shows were called... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Yeah. Uh, but they were the, Bill and Ted and then the Excellent Adventures live show. But they also were Bill and Ted in the second season of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the animated series. Because who were Bill and Ted in the original uh, first season of the animated series, Dave? Who would it be? Who who would it be? Yeah. Uh, was it Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter? You bet it was, and also uh, George Carlin. They got the they got the whole hat trick to do an animated version, and that does not happen. That does not happen. You watch the yeah. Back to the Future animated series. That yeah. is not Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd shows up, yes, later on in live little bits, mm-hmm, but mm. they, you do not get the uh, the actual cast. You get a real Ghostbusters. You're not getting Bill Murray doing the voice, but yes, with the animated series. Uh, they all liked it enough and, or were contractually obligated enough to do uh, a full season uh, of the animated uh, version. 
Mm, that could have been the case. I think contractually obligated would be the answer because if they really enjoyed it, they would have stayed on for a second season. I doubt it. That was no. That was not what was going on. What was going oh. on with that was Fox was coming out with the uh, live version, and they didn't want it to be confusing having these two versions. So they Fox yeah. basically fired Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, and George Carlin from the roles of yeah. the animated series. They let them go smart move and brought on the uh the actors from the live version to avoid any confusion that's what that's what occurred and uh you know of course you know history says great idea fellas (laughs) well done well let's let's go back even far let's go back even slightly farther into the past then and let's talk about our experiences with the original movies i assume that you you saw bill and ted's excellent adventure i did i've got to i've got to tell my uh my incredibly boring Keanu Reeves story now because Please any do. movie with Keanu Reeves in it, I've got to uh, I've got to bring this up. Sure, sure. Um, Keanu Reeves' first paid acting gig was on a show called Hanging In. It was a CBC show here in Canada, and uh, the actor it came down to two actors. It was Keanu Reeves and um, me, and so I did not get that part, and uh, he did, and uh, and there you go. And that's uh, and now I'm doing this podcast, and he's uh, doing a movie. So everything's fine. <laughs> anyway, but that is a true story. It did come down to him and me, and that was his first paid acting gig. Then he went on to do, like, Going Great, yeah. uh, which was, like, a um, lifestyle uh, show for kids and uh, many other things. And, yeah, he was, you know, uh, as far as I've heard, he is a great fella. Both of these uh, lads are great fellas. But, yes, I did see uh, the movie in the uh, in the theater, and it was uh, better than I expected it to be. Uh, that would be my that would be my feeling about it as well. Yeah, it was a very. Uh, I, I mean, the idea of two uh, kind of uh, slackers uh, just just walking around doing stuff. I mean, you're basically doing Spicoli from sure, you know, fast sure. times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they had enough of a clever twist by the end of something to do with time travel that literally made the audience gasp in the theater when I was there and we all kind of looked around and went, yeah, why don't you ever do that? That's just such a basic idea, Yeah. which was, Hey, when you're done with this, come back and help yourself and leave the things that you need. <laughs> and it was so, it was so brilliant. It just lifted the, the movie up and, yeah. uh, and yeah. I mean, you know, my habit of watching movies once. So my thoughts in this film are, th- are 30 years old, but what I remember of it is the line, Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. And I just thought that was so funny, like to put something that's kind of smart into the mouths of these these characters who are not or who are played as dummies. But I really enjoyed that kind of uh, knowing humor. And I thought I think the movies had a lot of fun with knowing stuff, but then pretending to not know it as well. You know? Yeah, they play they played that beat of the uh, yeah they they do talk they don't talk in in surfer talk. Uh, exactly. It's it isn't totally Spicoli. Yeah. Spicoli is hey dude, let's party. All right, yeah. And yeah. and and they're talking in an elevated fashion, in yeah. an on elevated fashion that then would be taken on by many uh, versions of this, uh, including uh, Wayne Campbell in Wayne's World. You know where he is the guy who will talk kind of dumb, but yeah. then he'll say something and will just break into something. That would be way above, you know, his intellect. And it's like, ah, that dichotomy works for me and is quite funny. Uh, But he is more of a a cynical character who is also aware that he is a fictional character, whereas these two are not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be my, I mean, 
I saw the first one sort of, I wouldn't say under duress, but I, I went not expecting very much and I really did enjoy it. And I went to the second one expecting a lot from it and I actually enjoyed that one quite a bit as well. I thought it was, I thought it was a fun film. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed William Sadler as, as death. It's fun. Mm-hmm. To, it's fun to see an actor who you only know from serious roles. And when I think of William Sadler, I think of the, the murderous character from Die Hard 2 that he plays. He's, mm-hmm. he's the one doing like the Tai Chi naked in the in the motel room, which, okay. which kind of gives you like this really creepy feeling about this character, and he doesn't he doesn't disappoint throughout the film. It's also like you know what kids like they like a good parody of the Seventh Seal. Well, that's but that's what I mean. It, it's maybe that's the, a deep a deep par- like basically yeah. to get the idea that you're playing games with death. Yeah, yeah. Kind of have to. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember Seventh <laughs> Seal? Oh yeah, we all like Seventh Seal. Sure, like, all kids love it. But no, that's, I love that's what it, I mean. It's, it it kind of has high. its cake, right? Yeah, it shoots high and goes like, hey, if you don't get it, who cares? Just keep going. <laughs> exactly. Move on. We got, we got some dumb jokes coming up. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it's great. You know, Jane Wheedlin is Joan of Arc, and it's it's just a lot of fun with, with the uh, with the characters. Of course, and George Carlin is Rufus. All, all a lot of uh, a lot of laughs, a lot a lot of good times. Well, it feels like the the first two films, and we'll get into the third one. Mm-hmm. Both were better than you expected them to be. They sure. were better than they had to be. And I think yeah. something very smart they did with the sequel that a lot of sequels don't do is like, okay, so for the second Bill and Ted film, what should they do? Well, just travel in time some more. It's like, oh, we already did that. How about they go to heaven and hell? <laughs> and it's like, okay, they go to the afterlife. Will that work? I don't know. Let's see. And they do. And it does. And it's a very interesting version of hell that they have. Yeah. And it's an interesting version of heaven that they have. And in fact, at one point, they actually talk to God. And God helps them out. And they compliment God. And they walk off. And it's like, yeah, because they're good guys. Yeah. They're good yeah. guys. They're not doing things for selfish reasons for the most part. Mm-hmm. They are just, you know, they have a passion for what they like. Uh, sometimes they get a little horny. Uh, once they use a homophobic slur, but aside from that, they are just good guys trying their best. Yeah. And so you're rooting for them. Yeah. No, it's true. it's true. I mean, if God if God helps you out, you're on the right side. <laughs> I guess so. I honestly yeah. don't remember that in the film, but like I say, it's been it's been thirty years. So well, here's the weird here's the weirdest thing to me about Bogus Journey is I didn't even remember know, it was called that. <laughs> yeah, it's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. All right. So they go to they go to hell. And, you know, you have these uh, personalized hells that are really quite good. Uh, and you go like, yeah. And they do a little small thing with, like, hell in that you can't totally stand up in the hallways. Like, they're you're crouched <laughs> over. and like, ooh, that would be bad. It's just a small thing, but it's like, ooh, that's really bad. Yeah. Uh, but then they're, they're looking for help. So they go to heaven. And they get help from an alien that's there. There's an alien that's in heaven. And it doesn't speak English. And it's actually two aliens. But it becomes one alien. And then is especially good at what they do. That's just so many ideas. That's just so many. Like, if you were plotting that out, someone would just go, well, we don't need to throw all of that in. This looks like a Dan Aykroyd script. <laughs> but it, but, oh, and then you got to go back. And you've got to build robots because there are evil robots of yourselves yeah. that are there uh, that are, you know, uh, being mean to your girlfriends and who murdered you. So we got to build worse. And you think like the, the this alien would build better robots, but they build worse robots, but they're goofy robots and they try their best. And also it involves time travel because they've still got to write a song that's going to unite the universe. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it's just so many ideas in, in this in this movie, yeah. but it but it works. It shouldn't work, but it works. Good job on, on that. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's a. It was. It was a lot of fun, as I remember it. Yeah, and then of course, as you say, the Grim Reaper, Death is their sidekick, helping them, uh, helping them out. Yeah, it's just yeah. a side thing. Yeah, that's great. With the alien, that's two creatures that merges into one. Yeah, yeah, it's great. All right, and so let's. So apparently, this film was uh, ten years in the making. For, uh, more, more. Okay, ten years in the making. But so for yeah, they were trying to get it made for ten years. I don't mean like ten years. It's been it's been, been thirty years. years it's, yeah, yeah, it's since been last almost thirty years since it, the last one came out. But it took them ten years to get this film made. So the 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 writers came up with a a sequel idea, and uh, Keanu Reeves and and Alex Winter were on board, and they shopped it around, and it and no one wanted to put money behind behind a Bill and Ted movie, which seems strange to me. Mm. You just think, like, especially nowadays, where all things '80s are, are, you know, we've got uh, Wonder Woman with uh, that trailer that just kills me every time I see it. Uh, just kills gr- you in a good way or a bad way? Bad way. Okay, kills, then kills me in a way and just goes, "That's not what it was like." But anyway, um, <laughs> I just hate when they. Sh- I just it just drives me crazy when they they show um, like a '80s movie and then they're playing um, New Order's Blue Monday, and you're like, "Mm-hmm, that's great, yeah." Look at that song you couldn't hear on the radio. You could not fucking hear that fucking song on the radio. Why is it in a trailer as if it's being played everywhere? You had to specifically, I remember my friends and I taking it up to the DJ at dances. Would you please play this song for us? And he would grudgingly play one song for us. And it was Blue Monday. He would play it for us. So nice. And it was our own single. Then we came back and took it back and put it back in the sleeve and took it away with us. This, but now we get to hear it like everyone was listening to that song. And you're like, that's not the 80s. Go away. Go away with your dumb 80s that you made up. I think you're feeling now what people who grew up in the 70s felt. That's right. All the versions of the 70s. I think you're right, actually. Everyone loved disco. No, they didn't. No, no one. Everybody. What are you talking about? Yeah, you were all on board. Yeah, you're right. We were all dressing like the village people. Remember that? You're right. Maybe we were, maybe we weren't. And by the way, get ready, people who grew up in the 90s. It's coming for you. (laughs) That's right. You're next. You're next. Remember that? Remember that kind of music that every that you, only a few of you listen to? All of you listen to it. Yeah. Someone's going to choose it whether you wanted to or not. I'll say, I'll say. Uh, speaking of like 80s nostalgia, I think mm-hmm. something that I've been watching lately that has really – because I actually watched it directly after this um, was uh, the Cobra Kai TV series. Okay. Which okay. is which is uh, directly follows – well, directly follows – but it's 30 years basically after Karate Kid. Mm. So it's very similar yeah. of just like what happens when you're an adult and all this other stuff. But they focus on the villain and like what their life was like. Mm-hmm. But but they've done it in a way that is very much like an 80s movie, but they made it into a TV sh- show. But are also commenting on the 80s and are commenting on, you know, what happens when you don't grow up and don't mature. But also using 80s uh, devices like a kid, like you'll be in love with somebody and he'll fall asleep and there'll be like an 80s video in his brain that will play because <laughs> that's how he lives his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then he'll get something really serious and then it'll be like a total 80s fight scene will occur. And it's like, yeah, they, they, they're balancing it out very, very well in this in a way you could not do in a movie. Uh, and so mm-hmm, it was interesting watching it directly after this because both are from the same time period and both are theoretically dealing with what happens when you're older. Uh, you know, you were this, you were this like wonderkind and now you're in your fifties. What now? You know? So, uh, so yeah, by the way, I'm, so I'm recommending Cobra Kai now back to Bill and Ted. Sorry, just, <laughs> just before we jump off of Cobra Kai, let me just jump back there. Just, uh, sure. now you don't, don't you have to have like a subscription to YouTube to watch that show? 
Oh no, it's on uh, Netflix now. It's the number one show on Netflix. Oh, so it moved from from uh, YouTube to Netflix. Yeah, the first two seasons are are on Netflix, and the third season is coming uh, next year. Oh, cool, cool. Okay, well maybe I'll t- take a look at it. Very good. I would recommend it. Because believe it or not, I've seen the Karate Kid twice. I, I have, it was on TV, seen, and I watched it a little while ago. Have you seen the Karate, karate Kid two? No. Have you seen Karate Kid three? I have not. Have you seen the next Karate Kid with Jaden Smith? No, that is uh, the Karate Kid, oh. the, where, where the kid does not learn karate. That's a mistake, <laughs> learns Kung Fu. Um, no, the next Karate Kid is uh, Hilary Swank. Oh, I've not seen that either. It is terrible. Uh, she is fine. It is terrible. Mm. I tried watching it last night. Not a good idea. Okay. <laughs> You're just on a Karate Kid kick? Is that how it is? A little bit. Well, I wanted to watch, actually, the Karate Kid, yeah. but you can't find that anywhere. Oh. Like, for rental, you can only buy it. And I'm like, ah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I went, ah, I'll watch that one. That's got Pat Morita in it. <laughs> Ooh, this is t- it was just unwatchable. It's like, that's fine. So uh, so there you go. But listen. Wait, we just got- one second. One more thing before we, go, yeah. before we go on. I just have to tell you this. Okay, we're not going to talk about it, but I, I saw Tenet. Mm. I saw it on the weekend. Okay. I, I was very happy that he did so. All right, oh, let's okay. go on. Let's go. All on. right, very nice. Um, if I can make it into a theater sometime and feel safe, I will see it as well. <laughs> let's talk about, well, this theater was practically empty and it had ginormous reclining seats. So I felt very isolated and safe there. Okay, cool. You know, just wear a mask and you're fine. All right. Um, okay, let's, let's say that let's talk we about did, our, we Let's talk about our general film. feelings about this movie, okay, though. Okay, well, generally we should also say... Uh, we saw this at home. We did not see this in a theater, which you could. That was an option. That was an option. I just didn't. I, you know what? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't mind it actually, but I. It was easier just to to on demand it yesterday. So, okay. That's well, what hit, I did. Hit me with your thoughts. Uh, your general thoughts. My general thoughts was I enjoyed it quite a bit. Once again, better than it should have been. <laughs> just like okay, gee, what what is it with these movies? Why? How can you keep? I just I just find them so pleasant. That I just, I enjoy watching them. I enjoy the fact that they meet nice demons <laughs> who, who just give them directions and don't like make a big fuss about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a demon. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, I just go over that way. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. I, just love the, I love their world. It's just so weird. What did you think of it? Um, I also I also enjoyed it. I liked the second half much more than I liked the first half. Okay. I, thought this, I thought they really stuck the landing and they had the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought was the first half needed more jokes. It was very, it was, uh, it was less played um, for full-on comedy, mm. and I thought they introduced a lot of characters. <laughs> sure did. Uh, <laughs> and they did not do a lot with those characters yeah. to the point where I was going. I prefer if this was a TV series, so I could see more of these characters <laughs> and see this unfold. You know, like yeah. they have yeah. Rufus's daughter played by Kristen Schaal. Who's a very funny comedian? Yes. Who doesn't get to do anything funny? She gets to do one good thing in it. That's true. That that's the only only good thing in it is when she right. when she yells uh, "Go away" or whatever to the to the killer robot because he's been given her ex boyfriend's name. Yeah, that's that's that, all right. That's the one bit that I kind of I kind of chuckled at. But yeah, she she just gets to play a stick. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And, and, and then you also, if you if you if you remember the first film when they were time traveling, yeah. each of the people that they met, they got to do a little bit of business with. Mm. And in this case, you do get some business with, uh, you know, uh, the first two uh, people that you meet. Uh, but then, but ah, it's all done. 
it's just like yeah there's a rush there. there's a rush quality to the film i mean it's it's only what is it like it's basically not just a little under 90 minutes long so it right it is a you, breakneck movie it splits into, it splits into two movies like one group is traveling forward in time one group is traveling backward in time yeah. gathering people yeah and i don't think either of them then get uh enough time to do what they could do especially mm. uh the daughters uh meeting the characters in the past especially that this is their first time traveling through time. We don't get enough of the reaction to that yeah. and the and the thrill of that and I thought that was uh, that was that was too bad. Also I felt like um the the future uh that's the perfect future which I guess is now not the perfect future was just dull. It was like this is supposed to be the the future where everything's great. Yeah, yeah. You know, at least that's how it's been presented in the first two movies. But even uh, in the first two movies, it doesn't seem like much of a place anyway. Well, they but the way they describe it is we're we're unified, it's harmonious, uh, people live in peace, everyone's happy. I wonder what's boring. Yeah, well, you can go boring and that's fine. <laughs> but in this case, it was sterile and yeah. then everyone was mean. Mm. And everyone all of a sudden became mean. And it was like, hmm. That's a that's odd. Yeah, that's an odd uh, way to go. I can see them being concerned, mm. but everyone just becomes an asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, man, all right, fair enough. That's weird. Uh, but I thought the uh, the ultimate message, uh, which which you know, to me, if I'm to sum up the ultimate message is, they've got to save the future. How do you save the future? You save the future uh, basically by having, you know, b b being good people, but also having good kids. That's the best thing you can yeah, do. Yeah, that's right. You, you save the kids, future with the future. Yeah, they are. The, the kids are the future. Yeah. So, so it's, it's one of these movies where you can have a clever thing that's like, ah, I get it. Yeah, that's how you did it. Well done you. <laughs> or you can have an emotional heart thing of just like, yeah. oh, that is real, but you're wrapping it in the sci-fi thing. And the real thing is, yeah, because they raise their daughters right and with love and their daughters are great, their daughters can save the world. And that's actually true. That is how you would save the world is your kids, uh, you know, the next generation, you know, setting it up for them and then raising them right and them being good people. That is what will save the universe. So, okay, good, good on you. And then we can have some special effects and do some other shit. That's, that's fine. But, but I think they got that part right. I would have liked to have also seen more, of them interacting with their daughters, you know, uh, whenever you see them together, it is nice. But yeah, it's I great. Like I that. like that they like their dads. That's the thing. And I like that they like even well. We'll, we'll we let's let's go through the movie. Let's go through For the sure. movie. We can we can uh, we can pick you can pick it apart, and I can I can extol it. But I, I just want to say I don't think uh, I mean obviously it's been a while since I saw the first two films, but you know they're not perfect movies either. You know what what we remember of them is sort of the 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 overall charm of them. And I think if you went back, you could definitely nitpick them if you wanted to. Sure. I but think what... the second one is dense. It's so dense, though, mm. with with uh, ideas and uh, and jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first one, less so. The first one's looser. Yeah. Uh, they're playing around. They have less budget. The second one actually takes advantage of their budget. Yeah. Uh, and this one is, again, we're back to the looseness. Yeah. I think, once again, budget would be an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if it take them took them ten years to get money together for it, they're not going to have the biggest budget in the world. Um, so I think, yeah, it does suffer a little bit from that. Like it feels like there's a lot of actors in it and a lot of people who are willing to 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 show up for it. Mm -hmm. You know, and really throw themselves into it. But uh, yeah, in terms of of uh, what they could put on the screen, I think they were a bit more limited. But there's still some good stuff. So the movie starts. 
with narration from from we don't know this yet, but it's Bill and Ted's daughter, daughters Thea and Billy. So that's kind of amusing that that uh, Bill has named his daughter Thea and Ted has named his th- his daughter Billy. And they're basically when we finally meet them, they're basically sort of their 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 father, their father's daughters. You know, they're just mm-hmm. they're movie nuts. They speak very similarly. They're they're. Uh, they are similarly motivated, <laughs> except in the uh, in the last movie they were boys, or at least it seemed like they were boys. Mm. And they changed. They changed. Well, they were little Ted and little Bill. So when you're saying they were cleverly doing the name thing there, yeah, uh, they were cleverly doing the name thing of like, yeah, we just called them Bill and Ted, even though they are actually actually girls. Yeah, yeah. So which, which works better? So yeah. So the so the narration informs us that time is unraveling. Mm-hmm. And that Bill and Ted's career as wild stallions did not go according to plan. Their their mission to write the song that would unite the universe has not come through. That they've gone, they're you know they've had this slow career attrition over time from playing stadiums to now they're playing um, you know smaller venues, much smaller venues, kind of like uh, you know halls and and things like that, you know, supper club kind of things. They're still they're still trying, mm-hmm. but it's not really working for them. Um, and the movie opens at the marriage of Ted's brother, I think. Ted's brother. That's right. Is getting married to Missy. And I, I, I don't know who Missy is. Missy was married at various points. They do to... explain that. But was yes. she in the original films? Yes. Okay. She was married to uh, Bill's, uh, Bill's dad. Yeah. She was, and they missed one thing. They 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 were married married to Bill's dad. Yeah. was married to Ted's dad. Yeah, and then uh, they she was also their babysitter. Yeah, uh, she was a couple of years ahead of them in school. And um, uh, uh, Bill had an Oedipal uh, complex uh, situation uh, with with her that he found out about when he talked to Freud. Okay, um, <laughs> and Bill also and and she also married the villain from the last movie. For a brief period of time, okay. according to uh, one of those uh, newspapers at the end of, uh, of you know, as they, at the way they convey information. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah. So, she's so, but now she's marrying, yes, his uh, his brother. His brother, played by Wynn Butler from Arcade Fire, which I thought was interesting. Wait, wait a second, what? You know the band Arcade Fire? The band she's from... ma- no, she's marrying uh, Beck Bennett. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Oh well, then who does Wynn Butler play? I thought I thought he he's in the credits, and I I thought he was played the brother, well, uh, a I, member of the Great Leaders. I apologize. Oh, is that all? Oh, who cares? Do you want to do you want to know what's funny about that? Okay, is there was a sketch on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Uh, called Do you know which one I'm going to tell you about? No, not at all. It was called New Saturday Night Night Live member or Arcade Fire member. Okay. It was a game show, <laughs> okay. and they were, they brought on the new members. Yeah. And you had to guess like. Okay, is is that a member of Arcade Fire or is it a Saturday Night Live member? Because they look exactly alike. And even Lauren Michaels came out and couldn't do it. And and he hired them. Yeah. So it's 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 it is good that you uh, confused yeah. a Saturday Night Live guy with uh, with Arcade Fire. Oh, is that, that who work. he is? He's a Saturday Night Live guy. Yes, he is. Another wasted person in the, in the movie. Really, he doesn't get to yep. do very much. Yep. I think this gets a couple of lines with Missy. So uh, Bill and Ted, they of course talk. They tell us. The relationship of Missy to all of them, and explain that yeah. how everyone's related to each other. Now, uh, their dad is Ted's dad is now his own son, or something like that. It's, it's all quite amusing, and uh, I just I like Grumpy Dad. It's great. And then uh, Bill and Ted play. I got to tell you right now, a great song. 
<laughs> it's so great. It's so I just enjoyed it so much. And this is supposed to be, of course, this is the song that's going to unite unite the uh, the universe. And they proceed to play a song using a um, what is it? A, ther- oh, a, theremin. a, a theremin. That's right, a theremin. Uh, te- uh, Bill starts throat singing, uh, yeah. and then he then of course he uses like a, a, a some sort of echo device to to repeat that so that he can go and start playing the drums meanwhile ted is throwing down the theremin or, or you know put it aside and he's got the bagpipes out and he's blowing into the bagpipes which he then drops to play the trumpet well <laughs> well ted is playing on his knee playing slapping his knee oh it's just great and then <laughs> what's really good about it though is that the daughters are dancing to it like it's like it's a groove <laughs> it's well they get it <laughs> they get what they're doing yeah, i just love yeah. it I just Here's loved the thing it. about about the daughters that makes them different than their fathers. Yeah. You might just think, oh, they're the same thing. Yeah. But they're not because their uh, their fathers uh, were not really bright guys. Mm. They were innocents. Yeah. Uh, they came up with some good ideas, but they were not bright. Whereas the daughters are straight out geniuses. Okay. There's nothing. There's nothing dumb they do through the whole movie. Like when they when they have you know they get this music. Yeah, they're relating to it. They get it on a level. They love all music, which is going to pay off later on. Yeah, they understand it all. Yeah, and uh, and, and 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 yeah. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, that is how they are different. Yeah, this is great. And there's a scene later when like the wedding's sort of breaking up because everyone's angry at Bill and Ted for playing this song, and and you see, um, I believe it's um, Billy. She's she's um you know she's doing a conga line with people in the, in the background. I just thought this is great. It's not rep, rep, you know it's not remarked upon or anything, but it's just there. And I just thought, oh, that's that's so good, that's so good. Uh, so then, so because yes, the song is interrupted by by their dad, their grumpy dad or Ted's dad, who you know not only doubts their musical ability, but ha- this throws shade over their entire their entire like last two movies, essentially. He does not believe that they've had any adventures, does not believe that they went to heaven or hell, that they traveled through time. Nope. Thinks all of it is just them making up nonsense. Yeah. He, he in the last couple of films, has always wanted Ted to go to military school. <laughs> and I get the feeling that his brother did. Okay. Now he's a police officer. Now he's a police officer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just got, wait a second. Um, I'm noticing that it's uh, Officer Deacon Logan. Uh, I'm wondering if that's a reference to the last movie as well. You keep talking and I'm going to check something. Okay, sure, sure. Okay. We also, at the wedding, we also get to meet Bill and Ted's wives, mm-hmm. who I, I got mixed up with. It's, uh, it's Liz and Joanna. Yeah. And as we said, they're daughters as well. So we let's leave that wedding behind. It's it's a lot of fun. but let's... We might want to mention that their wives are medieval princesses. Well, that kind of comes up in the next se- sequence yeah. because the uh, Bill and Ted are then seen attending couples therapy. And this is where we learn that maybe Bill and Ted are too attached to each other and not and not separate enough to be good husbands. Mm-hmm. So they're being they're going they're going to um, therapy. And I'm sorry, I meant to write down the the name of actors in this movie, and I and I and I did not. Jillian Bell. Jillian Bell, who was so good in it's uh, she's in um, that um, movie. What is it called? Shoot, <laughs> I'm so terrible. Well, she just did Britney Runs a Marathon. That's a lot. Of, that's a good movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. She's in Twenty Two Jump Street. That's the one, the, the second one. Yeah. Yes, she's so good in that as 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 the as the villain. Oh man, so good, so so straight faced, but great. Just really does really really uh, makes that movie great. Yeah, she is really good. Uh, yeah, and she's you know she has a small role here, but you know it's a sort of role that you can, if you want to want to make it meaty, you can. And she um she is uh, 
uh, doing couples therapy with Bill and Ted and their wives who are both shocked to discover that they're coming to the same appointment and that Bill and Ted expect them to attend couples ther- therapy as a couple, i.e. each other, each each you know couple as one couple because Bill and Ted are one organism, basically. They are Bill and Ted, yeah. Yes. So we, you know, we kind of see that as we learn that Bill and Ted can't say they love their wives. They, they speak in the plural. They, we love you, they keep saying. And the therapist is trying to make it clear to them that that is not, not really what women, or not women, but not really what their wives want from them. And yes, we also learn that their wives, um, Liz and Joanna, were uh, medieval princesses. One was born in 1410, the other 1408. I thought that was a good little scene that she wants to add that. Yeah, the, one, now, the one is a little older than her. Yeah, here's here's my here's my uh, first kind of like, oh, come on, uh, thing <laughs> in retrospect. Yeah. It's like, because you've got the benefit of these past movies behind you, mm-hmm. you can color scenes with stuff that like a new movie couldn't. And I think you've got something there where, you know, all that the therapist is saying is like, you know, you weren't really, they're not really princesses. And they're saying, yes, we were, but they're saying it like I was born in this time. Okay, that's fine. But it'd be, to me, it's funnier. Like, you know, I grew up without, you know, uh, you know, plumbing. I grew up with this, something, something like that. There's something about them being from the past, 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 you know, that would be interesting to say. And also, you know, uh, the therapist you know, is using psychology here, and Bill and Ted are actually friends with Freud. There could be something, <laughs> you know, to the point where, like, in the first movie, uh, Bill was talking about, you know, how he was talking with Freud, and he's got an Oedipus complex, and he says this. Like, he could drop a little something of just like, oh, this is like when we talked to Freud, and he said that, da 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 da. Oh, you, you're, you, you've read Freud? Nope. Anyway, so Freud <laughs> says da 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 da. You know, they because they are experienced in a weird way that nobody else is. And and instead, what you get in the scene is, you didn't do that. Yes, we did. No, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's an argument, yeah. you know, which is less interesting than use the, use the past, the unique things that you've got to color this moment. I see what you're trying to get across. Yeah. But there's, there's room here to play around with, uh, with what you have uh, done and why you were different than other people. Oh no, there's not because we need to move on to. <laughs> we also we also learn that the the their wives have 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 had to struggle with Bill and Ted, who have been attempting to write this this universe, um, you know, whatever it's supposed to do, universe saving song. Yes, and you know, it's just been their entire lives have been taken up with this, and you know, I think they probably feel a little neglected. Sure. So this, I mean, and it is a justified thing. Like Bill and Ted aren't jerks for this. It isn't like they're uh, they're ignoring their wives to spend time on their cars and their golf game. (laughs) They're they're ignoring their wives because if they don't, the universe will end. Yeah, they need to save the universe. That is their destiny. That's what they've been told. (laughs) And so, yeah, yes. So you still got to spend some time with your wife. That's true. Yeah. So then. He said, sitting in his shop doing a t- podcast. Um, <clears throat> so, so then the ther- so Julian Bell, the therapist, then says, "I want to spend some time talking to your wives alone." So you guys get out of here. So they leave. Bill and Ted leave. We see them return home. They come. They live next door to each other. Yeah. They go into. I'm going to assume it's Bill's garage. 
not not absolutely certain, but I think it's Bill's garage. I don't think there's much difference between the two garages. <laughs> I'm sure if you looked at the the next garage, it would look almost exactly the same. And Bill is totally prepared to, you know, roll up his sleeves and get down to work on on writing a new song. Ted, however, is starting to wonder if maybe their wives are right. Maybe they have been wasting their lives. And he talks about having an offer to sell his Les Paul guitar for a hefty sum of money. I think it's about $6,800 for this guitar, which, you know, he's seriously thinking of. We we did hear earlier that the wives have been supporting their husbands, so they're not really doing much in, in the way of, of earning anything for the for the family. They're just write, they're trying to write songs to save the universe. And that's about it. So, which you kind of wonder a little bit about that, in that you know they uh, they they were the most popular band in the world for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like when when uh, later they say like you were playing the Grand Canyon and you basically filled it out. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, there were some ticket sales on there. Maybe they got ripped off. Uh, the music industry is fleeting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it seems like you should have a little money saved up from, uh, <laughs> from back in the days when you were the most successful band in the world. Maybe. And also, you should be so famous that anyone on the street that sees you would go, hey, they'd know you. But, uh, you know, uh, no one on the street ever interacts with them because we get no interaction aside from the uh, the psychiatrist with anyone real. To be fair, um, you once experienced a fake David Lee Roth who successfully conned many people into thinking he was David Lee Roth, and he That's did not true. look like David Lee Roth, who was That's once true. in one of the biggest bands in the world. So I think you can kind of wander through life un- unidentified if you if you really want to. I, I don't know. I think if you were <laughs> if you were the Beatles and, yep. and 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 John Lennon and Paul McCartney were still hanging out together. And they had basically the same haircuts mm-hmm. as they did back then. <laughs> I think they probably would, uh, you know, uh, people would like, hey. It's possible. Yep. Or you'd walk by going, gee, they look like John and Paul. That's weird. We, we never know because we never see them interact with anything in real life aside from their psychiatrist, the psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. So then we kind of finally meet their daughters for reals. They uh, come out to the garage and, you know, they're big fans of their, of their dads are big fans of their music they they only have like high hopes for their writing this this song and and yes so so they they leave to let them do their thing and that that is when as you said earlier christian Shaw, playing the character kelly who is rufus's daughter arrives from the future she arrives in could, her I, could I say egg. something sure. I, I like about this is we don't have the easy scene of the daughters uh acting a little disappointed in their dads yeah which yeah. is an easy, cheap scene. But but no, because they are smart. They get it. And I think they have such good musical taste yeah. that they can hear what their fathers are doing and go, no, no, I get it. This is uh, this is all right. You know, it's not obviously not perfect, but it's like they get it. You're good. No, you both are good. And also they love their dads very much. And, and, and they, they, they think that they are doing the right thing. So it's 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 it would be in a cheaper movie. They would be complaining. Yeah. Right now. And they don't because they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Kelly arrives in the future, seen by the the daughters. The daughters see it, and they're they're kind of remarkably blasé about a visitor from the future arriving. Yeah, we don't really get into whether the daughters believe their dads are time travelers. I, I assume they do. I'm mean, gonna assume they do because they're just like, oh, look, it's someone from the future. <laughs> also, their mums have told them that they're princesses. Yeah, I guess. So you yeah, know. Yeah. They, uh, you know, there's no reason for them not to believe all of this is uh, all of this is true. By the way, um, 
Kristen Schaal's character Kelly is named after uh, Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, let's also point out that Thea is played by Samara Weaving, who we have reviewed on past Fansplainers. She was in Ready or Not. Yeah. Did really great in that. She's great in The Babysitter, a Netflix mm, movie. Okay. Which is, and she's also really good in this film, playing Thea. And the the actress who plays Billy, and I'm sorry, I don't know her name. I wish I'd written this down. I I, I, I left a step out that I normally follow when I'm doing this. Uh, Bridget Lundy uh, Payne. Yes, who is on another Netflix show. Uh, I don't want to... It's not transparent. No. Apparent uh what is it she's you're on the right you're on the right path but yeah it's uh anyway she's in she's in bombshell the film bombshell she was in downsizing oh atypical was the is the atypical uh, that's right she was in downsizing oh okay yes oh i like that movie a lot me too we should have fansplained it uh (laughs) not too late (laughs) not too late never too late she's really good as well both of them are great as as uh, thea and billy both as ted's daughters i think they do a great job i especially love when they're when they're fanning over uh over uh like um seeing louis armstrong or or seeing Jimi hendrix and stuff yes i really like that to the point where i would have liked to have seen more like i mean and that's a good thing is you want to see more i agree with you Uh, like i really did want to see more of them and their interactions (laughs) and seeing how they solve problems and i would have liked to have seen a little bit more too about them as i said uh encountering time travel for the first time they really know their way around a time machine quickly <laughs> they sure do well yeah, they get they no, do get they get kelly to show them i i it's probably not that that complicated if you can drive yeah, a car if, you can if drive a bill and ted can do it then yeah you're right it's yeah, probably not that yeah. complicated <laughs> exactly so kelly arrives in the future her her task is to bring bill and ted back to the future the great leader wants to speak to them and they go into the future now i understand your your gripe that that everyone's angry in the future mm-hmm. but in a way they have they have they have just cause to be a little peeved, which is that it's 77 minutes away from the universe ending, and Bill and Ted still have not written a song they've had 30 years to, to write. Now, here's my question about this. Sure. Which doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. Um, so when George Carlin presented this to them and went like, you're going to write this great song. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the first movie, they're still, wah, wah, and it's like, <laughs> don't worry, he says to us, they get better. <laughs> then in the, in the second film, yeah. they play the song, yeah. uh, and uh, because they they went away and practiced, came, which again is a nice clever thing to do. And then like <laughs> they 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 and it, the song is just amazing, yeah. And uh, it feels like this is the song, you know. And uh, you you kind of wonder like, well, you're in the future, you know what the song is, you know it, you've heard it. That was the song that united them. They did it in the past. Why don't you know the song, people in the future? Yeah, that's just, that's just weird. Like, are you saying like until they actually do it, do it, it won't exist? Are we doing a time ripple? Well, that's it because thing? you know what? What's that? Uh, when the 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 when the wives show up after their time travel experiences, they point out that uh, time and all the d- different dimensions is happen- happening simultaneously. So. Which has always been my is my particular theory of time, so I was happy to see that they they used that. Sure. So by that logic, I guess if it hasn't happened yet in the past, it has not happened yet in the future. The future can't know it. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I know it feels like you, you know what you can't really the... you can't. I mean, I don't want to nitpick time travel in a in a movie like this. Like I feel like you know the the plot needs to keep moving. So yeah, you know, it's, it's just at the heart of it. That they're angry at them for not doing. Like, listen, here's the thing: if your if your whole thing is you, uh, you know, I get it wrong with Karate Kid, 
Uh, you're like a normal guy and yeah. you never matured as an adult okay. and you didn't get your act together. Okay. And uh, now you're like living in a crappy apartment, eat, uh, eating fried bologna. Okay. That's something. <laughs> but if you were told as children, you're going to save the universe by writing the greatest song ever. Yeah. And you haven't done this impossible task. Yeah. You know, but you have raised uh, kids that are great. Yeah. Uh, you're in a loving relationship. You've got some problems, but you know, you're in a loving relationship. Yeah. You've got lovely homes. Uh, things all seem to be nice. You're you're, you're dressed well. You're still with your be your best friend. Uh, you know, uh, yes, you're not as you're not the greatest rock band in the world, which you've been. Um, but you're still hey. doing your music. To be honest with you, I've always thought Wild Stallions were a bit naff, but okay, they were very good. Uh, but you've done you've done all right for two slackers who it didn't look like were going to pass their history test and were going to like not make it through high school. You've done quite well. Yeah. So so the problem the problem here is uh, the idea that you haven't lived up to your potential. Uh, it doesn't work as well for me in that it's an impossible task. So it's not them being shamed for this is bad shaming it's actually the future's fault for you know just finding two teenagers and and telling them this that <laughs> was right. wrong right like they th that's not on that's not on bill and ted by any means <laughs> sure but you write the greatest song of all time now <laughs> go all right so yes the great leader yeah. played by holland holland taylor is that her name ah uh, she's something holland, in all those holland? all those things She's. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll find out. Thank uh, you. She, Thank you very much. So uh, yes, Holland Taylor. That's right. Yes. So the great leader gives them an ultimatum. They must write the song in seventy-seven minutes and twenty-two seconds. That's how much time they have before the universe comes apart at the seams and yeah, everything, we, all reality, will cease to exist. We have not mentioned that uh, major historical figures from history have been vanishing, such as Jesus Christ. At the Last Supper, yes. uh, or Washington crossing the Delaware, yes, and they've just been vanishing. And some, uh, and there was another fella. Uh, uh, oh, uh, who's it? The rapper who's uh, oh, Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi, yeah, but Kid he's Cudi later on. He's later on. No, 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 no. Kid Cudi vanishes off the top. He's one of the people. He's doing a concert. Oh, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Oh, he he, vanishes. I, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, all these people are vanishing. So this is a sign that uh, history is becoming unglued. Of course, it was me, so I had no idea who Kid Cudi was or who he was supposed to be. So I was just like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> you just on? go, yeah, it's someone. <laughs> Something is happening. Yep. So, uh, what it is ain't exactly clear. Uh, Kelly gives Bill and Ted Rufus's watch, which I'm not too sure why this happens, because it's other than them looking at it every once in a while, it really doesn't serve any purpose other than the, to be part of the, the countdown to the end of the movie, I guess. Yeah, this bugged me, because to me, it's like, Okay, so here's Rufus's watch. Yeah. Not just a watch, Rufus's watch. Yeah. Great. So we start off by seeing a hologram of Rufus doing the lines that he did in the first movie yeah. coming out. So it's like you really need at some point the watch to say something that inspires them or lets them know something or gives them some insight or shows why he had faith in them that his wife, uh, the great leader here, uh, doesn't. Yeah. You know, he's 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 talked Bill and Ted up to his daughter to the point where she's always wanted to meet them. Yeah. You know, she admires them. She does not think they're flakes. So, like, what what you just want something from George Carlin that isn't just a hologram of him saying an old line, like something like, remember, blah, 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 blah. 
something that like you know uh, triggers them and they go right Rufus yeah right you know it's something but it's, it's just a countdown watch it's like all right <laughs> it does Every have so- a, it does have a saying on it about how you know something until the end of the story you can't know what yeah you don't know you don't know what it is till the end of the story which is true but it's that's not something really Rufus has said like they had a relationship and it would have been nice to have had a little button on the relationship it's a weird situation in that you know Rufus is clearly dead yeah um and that's and that's sad yeah uh, Rufus also hasn't been born yet you know. <laughs> Like there is no reason that these guys can't go back in time or forward in time to talk to Rufus. Well, the actor's yeah. dead, so that's that's the reason they can't do that. So um, now this thinking, uh, yeah, I'm to be honest with you, I'm for me, I'm kind of glad that this movie didn't reference back too much to the other movies, simply because I don't remember them very well, and it would have been more confusing for me than pleasurable. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad this movie was much more. It didn't do a Pirates of the Caribbean where it opens up. And expects me to know what I watched the last, what I saw in the last movie, and I'm just like, I don't even know who these people are. What is going on? I don't recognize anyone. What? So when they went to the future, though, it felt to me like, uh, if here's the problem, they went to the future, and it felt to me one like it was the TV version of of the future, Uh, and it just looked cheap and nothing. (laughs) Well, yeah, a lot of lot of CGI backgrounds in this movie, and then they will introduce something very shortly. That makes me go, why? Now, you've already sworn in this episode, so I'm going to uh, swear that's okay. Um, why the fuck would you have this thing that you're talking about in the future? It's like, it's it's like you know, when you got a Star Trek thing, and it's just like, we've eliminated war. And what's this? The greatest bomb in the world we have with us. Why'd you have that? You've invented it. All right, fine. It's just, you know, you, talk about, you got a peaceful society, and it's all this, and everything's great. And it's like, and here's like a horrific thing that you've created. Yeah. Why? Why would you have that? Why would this even be an option? It made no sense. It, it, it just didn't work for me. But please, please keep going. We'll get I, to it. It was fine. I have to say Whoa. it was fine. It, it, kept, it kept the movie rolling along. That's all I asked for. Uh, Kelly. Yeah, she doesn't watch. So Bill and Ted decide. It's, this is kind of clever. It kind of plays to the first movie as you were describing it. The idea that they're going to visit themselves two years in the future and just get them to tell them the song that they, that they wrote. So then they can write the song for the, for the save the universe. Okay. How about this? Um, so you say we're going to go to the future and find out what the song is. Yeah. Sounds great. Guess where you are right now. Yeah. You're in the future. (laughs) Why don't you just ask anybody? What was the song? And have them give it to you. Apparently apparently they're not here in the future. Why going into the past uh, will help you. Why is that? How how does that work? Well, as far as I can tell, the great leader mm-hmm. and the other great leaders who don't have lines, yes. who don't have okay. lines because they're just they're just featured extras. Yeah, uh, they're not forthcoming. Kelly, okay. Kelly, Even it's very important that they they give them this or the universal end. Kelly, Kelly doesn't seem to know. Again, very odd. And no one knows this thing, and that's so important. It was like the greatest song ever written. And once again, it's a Bill and Ted movie. This, mm-hmm. this is how it works. This is how it is. But the problem, even in a Back to the Future movie, you don't go to the future and then go, we got, uh, it's just like, it's a time travel thing. You know, it would make sense if they were back, if they got sent back to their garage, which is now full of instruments, even more instruments than they need. 
and they're they're practicing and then they go why don't we go to the future then that makes sense you know <laughs> but if you're already in the future actually you're saying why don't we go into the past yeah but not quite all the way back to the past to where we just were yeah you know but somehow that past is going to know this song that we don't know now sure wow Ugh. and i know you're going because the movie uh, needs that to happen. I feel but like the movies have I feel been like it smarter does. than this in the in the in the past. Okay. You just need well, one line from Christian Shaw just going like the song has been lost over time. Yeah, the song has been lost, or there has been. Oh, here's a, here's an easier way. Uh, great historical things have gone missing, including the song. So it has vanished. Yeah. You know, like the the Eiffel Tower is vanishing, the pyramids are, are appearing. Well, the song has gone. So you're going to have to write it. We can't give it to you because we don't have it anymore and no one can remember it. So you've got to go do that. Which, so then, there you go. You're fine. Bob's your uncle. What she should say is that for some reason, the only version we have of it is a cover by Limp Biscuit, and it doesn't work. <laughs> sure, that's right. It was yeah, and it's for it's an ad for Arby's. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know. Did they do an ad for Arby's? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm just saying. It's, okay. you know. <laughs> All right. So uh, according to the movie. Yeah. They must do this themselves. So they decide if they have to do it themselves, they should go talk to themselves two years in the future. So they hop into the telephone booth, use the handy directory to go back to 2000 and is it 18 they go to? 2020? 2020. Okay. They go to. They go to this year. And everything seems fine. It's weird. By the way, why don't, and let me just ask one more question. Yeah. Why don't they go to the concert that they perform at and just watch it? What concert? You know, they play the song. It unites the universe. Yeah, but they don't know. But they don't know where or when, right? They don't. Okay. Like they don't. Like they know. Like they can like find themselves two years in the future. All right, fair enough. But they can't like they can't like guesstimate where where when the song. Like I guess they could go like seventy seven minutes and twenty two seconds in the future. Yeah, this most important event in in human history that united the universe. No one no one wrote down when it happened. No one wrote down where it occurred. (laughs) Okay, fine. Again, it's just like. Do a do a line, a quick line as to why we can't do the obvious, because this is the thing that Bill and Ted do. I like they, this movie more than you did. That's fine. But Bill and Ted yes. figure out the obvious shit, and that's how they win. But they figure out the obvious shit that's so obvious, clever time travel movies don't do it. But <laughs> well, the dumb this is, guys this are is so pretty clever. That this... they, they're so simple, you know, it's just like, why don't we just go ask ourselves in the future? Oh well, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, go. Like a smart movie would go, but we can't interact with ourselves. The time continuum would would unravel in space. And like, no, no. They're just like, let's go talk to ourselves. Yeah, good idea. Go. So here we go. So they go two years in the future. They find themselves, Bill and Ted, are are performing at an open mic night at what looks like a Legion Hall or something like that. Sure. And let me just say, Ted particularly, douchey. Looks pretty douchey, mm-hmm. but when they the two see them, they run. <laughs> no, okay, so I mean, I don't like. I really don't want to pick time travel nits with this movie because I just feel like it doesn't matter. It's just the the vehicle for the movie to to travel on. That's what the time travel is. Like if you start complaining about stuff that because, for instance, the reason they're running is because they know what they want because they know who they are and they expect them to arrive there because. They did that. That happened to them. They did that themselves in the past. Right. But they didn't because they performed the song at the end of the movie, and so they erased that future, 
and replaced it with a new future. So this is obviously they're traveling in time to a different time, a different dimensional time, like a different, uh, maybe a you know a, a, a another universe where the you know the world didn't end, but they're still middling along. But it's even worse for them now because as they tell Bill and Ted, their their wives have left them. Right, which is which is completely sad, but also, yeah, as you say, the whole thing is if you don't play this song. The universe yeah. will end. Your you will die. Yeah. Your wives will die. Your daughters will die. Yeah. Everyone will die. Yeah. In the universe. That's what's going to happen. So if you go two years out in your future yeah. and you're still alive, then you must have played the song. Or, or you're in an alternate universe that did not have this issue. Well, that's a big leap that you're just making up. That's well, I'm thing. not making up. It's only explanation yeah. for that because well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> you know, it feels like they, they did play the song. No. You know, but, it, but then it didn't go well, and then the rest of their life. So, so they but if didn't. They, but if, they didn't, if it didn't go well, the universe would be o- o- destroyed. It would be over. But it clearly isn't because they, they exist two years in the future. So they must have played the song. But they didn't. But they must have because it makes no sense them for them to then go, we'll go two more years in the future, and we'll talk to ourselves then. Yeah. Well, if you didn't do it. Yeah whatever it is, five years in yeah. the past, then you won't have still done it if you travel to this future two years from now. You still will not have done it. It doesn't matter how many years you go in the future. Yeah. You still will not have done this thing. So what's the logic in that? You must have done it. Otherwise, we're, you. it wouldn't matter if you did it like six years later or 10 years later. The universe would have ended. None of that makes sense, right? Like, Well, that's what it, I mean. That's what I said. I, I don't want to nitpick this film, but it's, it's a it's curious not, thing to me. Yeah, they, like they the go visit themselves. They go visit themselves in the in this future where they have not written the song, because if they had written the song, they would have given the song to them. But clearly, okay. these two these two characters, these older Bill and Ted's, are worse off than than they are now. So, what happened in their universe? Like the, with those two Bill and Ted's, did they try to play the song and fail, and so everyone hates them now, and so they're doing worse? No, they're just. Or- they're just slightly lower down. Yeah, this feels like this is this is the path that they're okay. What they're looks already like on? Is, yeah, yeah. This is the path they're already on, and we're seeing their, uh, you know, almost it's a wonderful life or something. We're seeing we're seeing where they go. Yeah, uh, you know, if they stay on the path that they are currently on, and that, the thing that, that changes, and the thing that changes their lives is that their wives leave them. That's it. Their wives leave them. That wrecks their lives. They end up here. That's the thing that that's the only thing that changes. We've ne- we, we're, we're eliminating completely that the universe ends. Yeah. Even though we've just been told in the previous scene, yeah, the universe will end. Yeah. If you don't write the and, song, and all, and all realities will cease to exist. Right. So now we're in a universe where they didn't. Yeah. It didn't happen, right. and now we're t- dealing with the fact that our wives left us and we're sad. Yeah. Fair enough, but we just. Did you see the previous scene? Okay. These two do not jam. Here's yeah. the other. Here's the other possible extrapolation. Okay, so, so now if if time is simultaneous, and as we're saying, so the future cannot know the past if it has not happened yet. Does that make sense? It's so weird. Okay, I've got a separate one, but I want you to do yours. <laughs> so, so because Bill and Ted have not done this song yet, the future cannot know that song they know it's important because it's basically like a prophecy isn't it it's not a like as because the uh 
the great leader then says, there's been other interpretations of this prophecy. And that is that Bill mm -hmm. and Ted must die. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily a historical thing they're talking about, but a prophecy of a historical, uh, of, a pa of, of something that's great that will happen in the past, but has, that has not yet occurred in the future because it's still only a prophecy. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so within this, within this time travel scenario, the fact that they in two years in the so in 2018 they still have not written the song. That means if they visit themselves in 2020, they still have not written the song. But the, all their decisions, you know, the fact that they haven't written the song yet affects the future. Does that make sense? As they visit themselves. I, 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 it just feels like the future shouldn't exist. It's just a real, it's a real mind blower, right? Right. I'm gonna. I'm but, I'm gonna doing, but what okay, I mean is that. Sorry, I just want to say one last thing. Please. Because so, but because they have not yet experienced the end of the world either, it's not yet the end of the world in 2020. All right. Okay. Okay. So now you. <laughs> your present, turn. <laughs> I'm gonna present this scenario. Okay. The idea that they keep traveling forwards in time doesn't work for me because. They don't seem to really age. You know, that's not, a, that's not a thing. You don't see them older and older until they're older and older. What I would say is, is there a reality where we made better choices and we wrote the song? Because we've screwed up. We went down a bad path. So we've got to go, we've got to go into the multiverse, not time travel, the multiverse, which they then later on kind of, uh, in, later in the movie, do talk about I'm an infinite being and they do become multiple uh, versions of themselves yeah but like have it be like all right let's just find a reality where we wrote the song <laughs> okay let's go randomly and we'll find one. First one they're, they're these guys what did, what did you do oh we ignored our wives and now we're miserable and we're this ah well that's the bad thing to be all right we don't want to be that okay they go into the next one and they see how they screwed up in this one. Oh, okay and they learn in doing this that they did not screw up their lives they thought they were failures but what we're learning is they were not failures because they did not do these things that other versions of themselves did. Unfortunately, these other versions of themselves did not write the song either, you know, and till we get, you know, to all the different, uh, you know, because that's what it feels like. We're seeing multiverse versions of themselves, not future. The prison version of themselves does not look like a version of themselves years forward from the version of themselves we see at the mansion. It doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't jive. It just looks like they went a completely different path. How do you mean? Sorry, years the first one about what mansion? Oh, uh, they show up at the mansion. Is the, that's their second trip? They show up at the mansion and they see themselves successful, but they're not really successful. Oh yes, 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 yes. But that version, those two guys. Yeah. I don't see them becoming the prison guy like a couple of years later. Yeah. Like that seems like a completely different reality where instead. You know, they just they went down this dark path and became you know criminals and yeah. became you know this. But, but yeah, I well, get it's, it. It's but it's possible that each of their decisions are making so so in in the the second visit. So let, let's talk about the second visit. But anyway, the second visit they visit themselves where they commit a crime. Well, no, the second visit is is at the mansion. That's right, and they commit a crime. They break okay. into Dave Grohl's house. Okay, yeah. First they, of all, we think they're successful. They get into they gun. Have British, they, they have British accents. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, you know, well, we, but uh, I just want to, I just want to kind of just sort of talk about it generally because I, I just want right. to say that now, so those decisions that they make affects them in the future. So that, yes, it is almost like an alternate future that they go to because what they, what Bill and Ted caused by visiting 10 years into the future 
causes, you know, whatever it is, 20 years into the future, makes them like these sort of criminals who have now are these giant buff guys who are in prison because of the second visit. Do you know what I mean? So each visit is changing the future. Okay, well, let's look at this, though. So, um, all right. So Bill and Ted are both guys in their 50s. Okay? Who are? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. They're in their fifties. We've we've marked what time they were in the eighties. Sure. We know how many years have passed. They're yeah. in their fifties. Yeah. Um, mid to late fifties. So uh, we're now going a couple of years in the future with their first deadbeat thing. Then we're going a couple more years in the future. Yeah. Now by the time we're in prison, yeah. These guys are like sixty-five to seventy. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> right. That in no way are those are not really buff older dudes i i don't know what sort of genetic modifications the future will allow i don't i don't know i can't can't tell you yeah i don't i don't know either i just know that they're not playing that (laughs) as themselves that far in the future that's not what they that's not you don't build that kind of muscle like i understand you could do whatever but they're not older until they are older until the oldness like uh hits but but those aren't the beats that they're playing yeah that's why this is confusing it's like it's not what are you trying to get across? It's like, you know, your lives, your lives are going to get horrible if your wives leave you. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. But it's just a weird thing to play as like your main motivation when definitely, you know, the end of the universe is going on. And then the scenarios that you're unfurling are interesting and funny. Yeah. But I don't know if they jibe as, <laughs> you know, this is you guys whose personalities completely change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, you're you are good natured doofuses, very kind, good natured doofuses. And and also in the times that we see these guys, they never once reference what happens with their daughters, which is weird because they love their daughters very, very much. Yeah. And their daughters need the world and, the, and, and they need the world to their daughters. So when they're going through these hellish nights, you know, nightmares of, uh, you know, their wives having left them. What about their daughters? Well, it What's says on? they, in the first visit, Bill and Ted, future Bill and Ted tell them that their daughters no longer talk to them. Yeah, that's bullshit. So that, does that seem in any way realistic? No, that's what I mean. That's why I think this is not, I don't think this is like a real future. I think it's like, a, a like, it's like they're visiting, um, they're constantly visiting like, like, a, like, um, it's hard to explain, but each trip they take into this future, it's, it's just an echo of, of the past, you know what I mean. So their first yeah, visit, their first visit echoes their counsel, couples counseling, and the fact that they're stuck trying to write this great song and they can't do it. The next visit, they, you know, they are now set up so that they are, you know, pretending that they're wealthy and stuff like that, but it's really a con, and they have broken into someone's house. And then the third visit, they are full on con, you know, criminals, yeah. uh, who are like muscle bound maniacs. And it's not until they do their final visit with themselves when they're really old that they can reconcile who they are. You know, they they actually embrace each other. Like they embrace themselves. They accept themselves. And that's when they get the song given to them. Yeah, that's and that's that's quite that's quite nice. But I think that each one is kind of like a reflection of of where they shouldn't be, but where they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't it odd, though, that. And all of these futures yeah. that they've got, yeah. nothing is future at all. No, no, because it's not really the future. Okay, but it, but nothing. It's like even when they're like their elderly future selves, and yeah. they're on their deathbeds. It's yeah. 2067. They're a hundred years old. 
um, or something like that. Uh, there's nothing there that's like a little like there's no really hologrammy things or anything. Yeah, yeah. So the doors are still doors. Like when they're in prison, <laughs> prisons are still prisons. Everything's yeah. everything's just what it is. Yeah. Dave Grohl is a very rich man. You think he has something that would be interesting that would be different? It's the future. Nope. Nothing. They t- it, that's that's where I feel like it's ah uh, you could more something be clearer be crisper here well i guess i guess be clear but i do think it's significant when when it's either liz or joanna says the future or sorry um all the you know all the alternate dimensions are happening simultaneously okay so that implies to me that they weren't visiting the future necessarily but some sort of alternate dimension but i just think each one is sort of reflections that drives with the end they just never say it yeah if they if that was the case interesting good i'm with you yeah let's see let's see how that plays out but yeah besides that one comment (laughs) it doesn't really that's all all, that's your one clue to how how we can try and figure out the the weirdness of it all but let's 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 get back to the chronology of the film we've been all right let's uh, let's, yeah let's go back to the daughters too because like uh yeah you know they're doing they're doing a second plot while this is going on sure i just want to say we did mention it but just just to make it clear so so um bill and future bill and ted tell bill and ted that yes they'll they will lose their wives and the reason they do is because their their wives visited themselves from the future and took them on a a trip in the in the time machine to f- to search through other realities to f- that's what i mean to find a happy one yes, where they're happy this with is Bill what and they're Ted. doing they're, they're those they are using the machine to find alternate realities exactly which feels like what this is yeah i think that's what i think that's a clue to it mm, might be a clue to it but it'd be good to say it <laughs> i agree i agree okay, so thank you so uh we then cut back to the future where we right. where we learn that the great leader plans to kill Bill and Ted because, as she says, she had doesn't she didn't always agree with with her husband Rufus, mm-hmm. and his interpretation of the prophecy. She, you know, it's also felt that in order for the universe to become aligned, Bill and Ted must die, and so in order to, and I'm, I imagine you're getting ready to explode here, and in order to do that, they build a killer robot. That w- is who is tasked with going into the past to kill Bill and Bill and Ted. Yeah. Now here's here's the thing. <laughs> it's not that the, the, what what this feels like to me then is yes. Rufus only went to the past uh, because of this prophecy and in no way cared about Bill and Ted, and that bugs me because it like they they have a relationship there where I feel like Rufus, the George Carlin character, loved Bill and Ted. Like they 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 were. They were close and that his wife would go, uh, it's an option to kill my, uh, my, my, you know, my dead husband's, you know, friends, mm-hmm. my excellent friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really dark. Like that's really, really dark. What's that about? Okay. And it's, it's also very strange in that, you know, we're making a Terminator robot. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Yeah. But, but the last movie had the villain, who was, uh, you know, this guy who didn't like how the future was. Yeah. He went, it's too harmonious. It's awful. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna stop it, and I'm going to change things, and I'm going to run things. And his plan was, I'm getting two robots, and we're going to go back in time, and we're going to kill Bill and Ted. So now the good guys are doing the same thing that the bad guys did in the last movie. Sure. And, and you can still be the good guys? Like... Like it, it, it feels. I, like, I mean, are they the good guys? Rufus was a good guy, but are these 
Well, this is the problem. The, the if guys? the grand leader is not a good guy, mm -hmm. then the future is not good, then everything seems fucked. Like, like <laughs> Christian Shaw's character really should should be reacting more to this and sabotaging it more. You know, if she really was, you know, did always want to meet them, it sounds like Rufus probably talked about them a lot. You know, she admires them. And this is a father-daughter thing, too. We've got Bill and Ted's daughters traveling through time. She is Rufus's daughter. It would really make sense for her to go with the daughters. And now we've got the now we got the trio going again, you know, or she helping the daughters along because that's that's the thing. Rufus's daughter helping Bill and Ted's daughter. Yes. There we go. Mwah. Love it. But no, she instead she just like kind of hangs out in the future. It says to mom, come on, ma, don't don't. And then it's just too it's just too late. And also, you're not doing anything funny with Kristen Schaal which is a mistake. I love the robot. The robot kills me later on. He's a fantastic <laughs> character. Yeah. He's like the breakout character of all this. And that totally works. <laughs> but I don't think well, heart, heart wise, you, like the idea that you're now, this is what they do with Star Trek, by the way, all the time now, is, uh, you know, it's like the idea, the idea that the Federation was good. And it was like sort of good for the universe. But like every time you go into a movie or TV show, it's like, except the people in charge are corrupt and they're really, they're worse than the bad guys. It's yeah. like, okay, fine. So we can't have a utopia. <laughs> <laughs> well, know? you can't have, it's hard to have a utopia when everyone's panicking because the universe is going to end. But I do kind of, I do find it kind of funny that they can't actually, can't successfully build a killer robot. Like, like they just, the robot's no good. Well, I, yeah. I would so like it. They can't. Reason. They're not really evil. They're just. They're just. Yeah, enough, that would be you know? the reason you couldn't build the killer robot is because you're not evil enough to build a killer robot. Yeah, yeah. That I would. That I would like. They're I would just, be on board with they're, that. They're too inept to actually successfully make a killer robot that obviously has a conscience. Like you've built a killer robot that has a conscience. Okay, well that's the problem with a killer. Well, I mean they. Uh, they later mentioned that it's uh, named after Christian uh, <laughs> Shaw's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. So it feels like maybe they like gave gave uh, the robot that guy's brain patterns or something. That would all make I, sense. There's I don't know if it's that. There's jokes to be made. Sure, I think it's. I'm going to assume that the mum is a real fan of that boyfriend. You know what okay. I mean? Like you know when you have like a girlfriend. Sure. And your mum really likes her. Excellent, excellent beat to play. And always, it's always coming up, you know. And so the, I will agree with you. I wish Christian Shaw had more to do in this film. And I feel like there is some stuff that was left on the cutting room floor that maybe just it just slowed down the movie. It didn't it wasn't keeping it popping along. But it would have been nice if there was more Holland Taylor, Christian Shaw, you know, uh, you know, her mum be mum bemoaning her leaving this guy who's obviously on the fast track to success you know right and then and then all you gotta do with that is go like well mom if you liked him so much why don't you date him and it's just like later on mom's dating the robot and it's like yes that would be great and now that's her dad and that's awkward because you know your new dad is a robot named after your old boyfriend which connects back to missy yeah, who is now say. the mother of the father of the thing and it's like yeah this whole thing's together you can do it it's not yeah. i'm not saying it's not hard it's hard but yeah you can do it. Anyway, okay, let's keep going. I would think you, having just written a time travel story, would, would be feeling some commiseration for people, people who also did it. I may, yes, I understand <laughs> this. My, my, so, my, my, my advice always with writing a time travel story is don't. Okay. <laughs> Kelly returns to the present, and there she meets Thea and Billy. They come out to meet her, and they want to use a time machine to 
to travel through time and put together a band. So they kind of want to do what their their uh, dads did when they needed to pass a history exam. They want to go back to the past and bring historical, great historical musical figures to the present so that they can make have this fantastic band to back yeah. their dads so they can write this great song. This is where I think you should have had a moment where it's like, again, the daughters of all the main characters are here and there's something there and it doesn't really get done because they kind of sneak behind her and uh, while she's like annoyed and then they're leaving and it's fine but this is like oh, no, no they this... don't sneak they they ask her to show show, yeah, show them how they to use do the when they do it but it's not she's not excited about it you know it's like she i mean this is someone who like I, I would assume really loved her dad and is proud of her dad yeah and one of her dad's greatest achievements to the point where there's a monument to it is that he gathered bill and ted together they went through time they did all this stuff like that's that's his thing. That was what, you know, he's famous for. And now the daughters want to do the same thing. It feels like the daughter of Rufus would be, oh, yes, that's a great idea. Do this. Uh, here you go. You know, if you need any help, let me know. And uh, off they go. <laughs> but uh, it's more like, yeah, it's an okay idea, but I'm mad at my mom. <sighs> All right, fine. <laughs> so... Uh... So that, that happened. So then Bill and Ted return to couples counseling because they want to warn their wives to not travel through time with their future selves because that means they'll leave them. And they realize by doing this, they've just made the situation worse. Yeah. I like them saying, are you time traveling again? <laughs> and they're actually a little excited about it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, no, he's, well, they're in their, their old interests. This is interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Um, I was just trying to look up who um, who directed this film mm-hmm. because I was just a little curious. It's uh, it's uh, Dean uh, Pariso. I don't know who that is. Uh, Dean Pariso. Let's see. Uh, he did uh, uh, Galaxy Quest. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a, such a good movie. Because I was sort of wondering if maybe the director of the film didn't get maybe just didn't get the tone quite right. So maybe that's why some of the scenes didn't didn't land, and maybe why they got edited out. So. But I didn't think he would have would have you know Galaxy Quest is a very good film. Yeah, he also did um, the remake of Fun with Dick and Jane and Red Two, and uh, Home Fries with Drew uh, Barrymore in like the nineties. Yeah. Hmm. Well, a bunch of those movies are pretty 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 ma, ma you know mediocre, but okay. Yeah, he also did a bunch of TV. He did a lot of Monk and Northern Exposure and okay. Curb Your Enthusiasm and stuff as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and he also won. Oh, so here's the thing. He also uh, won the Academy Award for uh, live-action short film uh, with the appointments of Dennis Jennings, which he uh, co-wrote uh, with uh, Stephen Wright. Oh, wow! Which is an actual, which is a very funny uh, short film. Okay, yeah. So it's just sort of it's interesting to me. I I just wonder why uh, some of the some of the more some of the little ornamentations this movie could use are aren't there. You know, I feel okay. Here's where I feel it lands. Is it, it was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, who wrote both of the other movies, both of the other Bill and Ted movies. And I think they just, you know, they got the they got the heart of it. They 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 understood that. Yeah. But they're just not comedy writers of now. Okay. You know, I think the rhythms are a little different now. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I think that's just what it comes down to. Hmm. All right. So it's good that you got the originals, but maybe you needed someone to goose it up a little bit and just. Zip, zap, zoop, a little bit. Beep, bop, bop, little. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I don't. Little. Not... 
Okay. Yeah, maybe a little of that. Not, not picking it up. You know what I'm saying. I he gets it. All right, let's go back in time and meet Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Wait a second. Mm-hmm. So Liz and Joanne's future selves appear in the booth outside. Right. And this causes Bill and Ted to leave while telling them to not travel through time. So then, yes, Billy and Thea arrive in 1967 London, we are told. I did find the, I did find the uh, t- subtitles handy. 1967 London to recruit Jimi Hendrix. He says no. As he should. As he should. But I do love Samara Weaving's expression when she's saying, but we have to have Jimi Hendrix in the band. So good. Uh, They then decide that if they can't get Jimi Hendrix, they will get someone who will lure Jimi Hendrix into joining the band. So they travel back to New Orleans in 1922 to find Louis Armstrong performing with his Hot Fives or whatever they're called. Uh... And that's also great. It was well, great. It was great watching Jimi Hendrix play. Yeah, of course. And now it's great watching Louis Armstrong. But here's what they set up, and they don't pay off, which is a tragedy. Okay, it is. Um, we got to get Jimi Hendrix. How are we going to convince Jimi Hendrix? Well, Jimi Hendrix really admired Louis Armstrong. Let's get Louis Armstrong. So they go to get Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Now to get Louis Armstrong, you got to go like. Well, who did Louis Armstrong uh, was was influenced by? Really influenced by this person. Let's go back and get them. Because they are musical geniuses. They yeah. know the connections between these. I mean, Bill and Ted were just doofuses going through time going, let's find those guys. Yeah. But they in that first were like, oh, here's the connection between these two guys. Yeah. This is how we get Jimi Hendrix. And it's like, oh, that's great. So you're going to do that through the whole thing. And they don't. It's like once they get Louis Armstrong, then it's just – Kind of random. Yeah. Well, it's it's not random. It's more they want the best of the best. That's true. But you want then the best of the best that uh, that will work together well. That's why it makes sense that Jimi Hendrix was influenced by Louis Armstrong. So those two would play together well. Now, like I, I get why you're getting Mozart. It's at, though they don't really do anything fun with Mozart, which seems weird. But they do. Well, I mean, not later. But they do have the scene where Jimi Hendrix and Mozart yeah play together. That's that's fun. Yeah, they, 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 he's interested in Jimi Hendrix, but obviously uh, Mozart is not influenced by Jimi Hendrix. No. He's just more interested. I like when uh, 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 Ling Lung is playing the flute and Mozart plays a bit of the magic flute. Yeah. It's like, ah, yes, yes, that does connect. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. It seems like they were about to, they were connecting these things together and we'll see the relationships, uh, but they don't really. And it's, uh, it's too bad because the first two are very interesting. We're really getting that Louis Armstrong world. We're getting the Jimi Hendrix world. And it's like, like a little bit more of this. This is, uh, this is fun. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of, it's all right. <laughs> well, they were kind of limited. Well, they kind of limited themselves by getting non-English speaking characters. So you kind of limit what, what you can do. But, but they did that in the first movie too. Right. Socrates doesn't speak English. Yeah, Napoleon yeah. doesn't speak English. Genghis Khan doesn't speak English. Hmm. And Beethoven doesn't speak English. Hmm. Are they great? Are they that interesting a character in the movie, though? All of them? Yeah. I would say. Like Napoleon? Napoleon uh, is like all over the place with his eating the ice cream and whatnot. Genghis oh, Khan. That's right. Yeah. Is, uh, is on a skateboard in the sporting goods store. Uh, Beethoven's uh, rocking out in the uh, synthesizer <laughs> uh, shop. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Everyone gets a, a moment to like, you know, oh, wow, it's weird seeing them in the future or seeing them in the present. This is, you know, whereas you don't really get that. You don't no. get like Jimi Hendrix getting to see what things are now mm-hmm. and seeing his influence or Louis Armstrong or what have you. Yeah. 
Yeah. That'd be, uh, that'd be good, actually. Jimi Hendrix. I made 30 albums posthumously. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's see. Where do they go then? Yes. Yeah, so Louis is immediately taken by, by Thea's phone or Billy's phone. One of them gives him her phone and showing Jimi Hendrix playing. And he's. No, yeah, I did like that. He's yeah. fascinated by the phone itself and also by the playing. Yes. So, so they were. So, um, then we cut to Bill and Ted, who have now gone five years into the future. Now, these future selves are big time stars. They've gone from being a couple of no ones, nobodies, playing in a playing, you know, between meat draws at a at a at the Legion Hall. Now they are in a big mansion, and they, you know, they've they've developed British accents because of, of course. They've been spending uh, time in the past with their with their with their wives. They're back together with their wives. They um they give they give a a CD, which is weird, by the way, because it's the future. But they give a it's, CD. It's not the future. Yeah. To they give a CD to Bill and Ted of. It actually isn't weird when you realize that they are complete deadbeats and broke. So yeah, <laughs> they would be using the old old technology because that's all they got. So then yeah, so then. They you know pass on this song to you know, you know what they're giving them uh, a C- like a Dave Grohl CD they, like they're just yeah. bought one from this they have one from this yeah okay <laughs> yeah yeah so then so Bill and Ted of course are excited to get this song because this means they can write the song and then they can save the universe and they're leaving they're thanking their 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 future selves or their their future selves for helping them out and they're like no problem man these guys have reached some sort of Zen understanding and then. They open the door and there's Dave Grohl standing there and he's like, why are you in my house? And then they realize they've been suckered again. And so they go in and confront Bill and Ted. And I enjoyed the scene where Bill and Ted are, are letting it all hang out. The, Bill's taking off his uh, wig and he's revealing that he's mostly lost his hair. And uh, and Ted, in a very un-John Wick way, is letting his uh, belly belly hang out. And uh, the police arrive. Um, of course, uh, Bill tries to shoot at Bill. Uh, Bill tries to shoot at Bill and Ted. It's, it's all a lot of conflict. And then the police arrive, including Ted's father and brother. And at that moment, the robot shows up. Yeah. And he shoots and uh, kills Ted's dad, who then probably goes to hell along with the SWAT truck. Does uh, Does Ted's brother also die? No. Okay, he gets missed, but yeah, yeah. The uh, the squad car also dies. That's right. Like that. The SWAT the SWAT truck also dies. So that's bad. But we immediately cut back to and London. We see death. We see death for the first time, reaching out to his father. Oh, as they that's right. Down. They fall. You see death. That's right. Uh, still played by by William Sandler. It's great. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to 1967 London. Jimi Hendrix joins the girls. They go farther into the past where they recruit Mozart, and we get that cute little scene of Mozart playing the harpsichord while Jimi Hendrix echoes with his electric guitar, mysteriously powered in the past. But anyway. <laughs> Bill and Ted arrive in 2030. Their future selves are now muscle-bound convicts. But I, I did enjoy the visuals of this sequence where they, mm-hmm. where one had excellent tattooed and like gothic lettering across his ginormous chest, and the other one had uh, wild stallions, which is mm-hmm. pretty great. And uh, it turns out the future selves are basically knew they were coming, and it's just a plot to trap them because they want to use the. I guess they want to take the the phone booth for themselves, and right. Though, though, honestly, uh, why? Not? <laughs> it's like, look, man, you know how this works. Just go. Hey, when we get the when we're in the future, 
we should come back here and like uh, take ourselves and uh, in the future and like and help ourselves escape. So you should do. <laughs> oh, but why would we be there? Because we because we did it. Mm-hmm. We just got to remember to do that, and yeah. then you could. Yeah, that would be the thing to do. It's but it's not. not escape. I guess, but it's not their future yet, so they cannot anticipate that that's happened. Unless you're saying they should go back a little bit more into the future and then, but they're not very happy with themselves after that experience because all they need to do is if they, it's, you know, you know how it works. It's goofball. It's, it's their goofball future logic, but they could do it to escape. They okay. could, they could completely do it. Who could? Like drop, Sorry, wait, drop the, Bill, uh, the, the convict Bill and Ted. Yeah, convict Bill and Ted. But where, where are they going to time travel? Anywhere they want. They can get out. But they don't have they, a booth though. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because they will have a booth once they've traveled back to deliver the booth to themselves. Once they've tra- okay, so the booth arrives. Yeah. Oof. They get in the booth. Yeah. Okay. They sent themselves the booth. Yeah. They get in. Uh, they travel to uh, the future yeah. where they're safe. Yeah. Uh, or the past doesn't matter. Past or future, either is fine. Get out. Send the booth to themselves. Okay. Cycle of com- is uh, the circle is complete. Yeah. And they've escaped. The end. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's assuming they get the booth away from Bill and Ted, you mean? No, they can just do it anyway. Like, it's, as long as they do it, they do it. There's not one booth. Like, already the wives are traveling in a separate booth that's over there. That that's, is actually but we the know it's booth. not a separate booth. It's the same booth? Yeah. But Okay. But you can have multiple booths exist at the same time. We've seen that. Like, there's been times where they've gone out and they've talked to their, their past selves and their future selves. And they've just, you know, and then both booths have existed simultaneously and we will have a, a a thing later on where yeah there's two boots next to each other so it doesn't matter like you can have as many as you, as you it's just any right. any time it's fine okay i, I yeah I, anyway, it doesn't matter so because okay. it doesn't happen so it's fine so then while they're threatening bill and ted bill and ted are threatening bill and ted the killer robot appears but fortunately for our heroes bill and ted as opposed to our antagonist bill and ted's they're able to escape and uh but at this moment, Lizzie and Joanna show up momentarily in their booth. Mm-hmm. But they don't really do anything, but they're there. And I guess they go to talk to them, but then they run off mm. before they can say anything. That sounds about right. So then we go back to Thea and Billy, who travel back to China and up to uh, ancient China. And they re- recruit Ling Lun, who I guess was a famous flautist in Chinese history. Yeah. She invented the five notes of the ancient Chinese five-tone scale. I see. Which okay. are gong, shang, zhao, zi, and yu, uh, which translate to do, re, mi, so, and la. I see. Yeah. Forgot the fa. Not quite mm-hmm. there yet. They then go back farther in time, and they recruit a primitive drummer whose name I missed. They does not have a name, really, I don't think. Okay. Who's scared of them, but they're able to capture this drummer. And yeah, they get her. Oh, sorry. Her name is Grom. Grom. Okay. Yeah. And they then return to the present, at which moment they're, they are, um, Kid Cuddy appears dis- out of nowhere because he has been, he is being displaced in time. As By being... the way, how did they know about this cave woman? They're just, like, they get, know so I much get, about history. I get it. Like Lin Lung, I understand. Yeah. But how would they know about, like, how would there be records of a cave woman who has a full drum set, who is like <laughs> the greatest drummer of all time? <laughs> How would they know that? Like, I, do, I do not know. Okay. I cannot answer questions that are not answered in the film. Like, to me, that's a Wikipedia. thing where... 
that's a thing that would be okay if they were working with yeah. uh, Kelly and just like, you know, we've got to find a drummer. Well, I'll tell you who the greatest drummer of all time is. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, uh, who is it? It's like, ground. It's like, what? Beep, boop, 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 and send back to, to find ground because she knows because she's in the future and knows how all about time travel and stuff. Yeah, it would make sense. But like, I don't, I, like as smart as they are, yeah. they wouldn't know a specific cave woman was a really good drummer. Matt, right? <laughs> Right? All right. There's all right, crabby old man. No, don't. Yeah, no. There's eternal <laughs> logic to where this all goes. Okay. I agree with you. I thought it was kind of okay. silly, too. All right. I thought it was silly, too. All right. Why, why they didn't get Phil Collins, I don't understand. Mm. So then they do return to the present. Like I say, they Kid Cuddy appears. I don't know who he was. I spelled his name wrong because I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I spelled it as C-U-D-D-Y. He was someone who was discovered by, uh, I think, Kanye West. Let me just take a look. Oh. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he did a mixtape called "A Kid Named Cuddy" in 2008, huh. and and it was promoted by Kanye West, uh, and so he kind of became uh, famous through that, and then has been successful ever since. That's also why Donald Trump is so famous. Discovered by Kanye West. Oh, okay. Well, now we know who to blame. Good. <laughs> uh, killer robot appears at that moment when they're all like happily ready to start this whole project. The killer robot appears and sends every kills them all and sends them all to hell. Right, and, and then this the is, robot realizes they did the wrong thing. Well, he did. He he looked pretty guilty after the dad thing. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, he was really reacting badly to that. He I was doing the. Oh no! Oh man, what have I? And then he. Yeah. <laughs> then he does it again. Now he's really feeling it. He's like, oh, <laughs> that wasn't just one person in a SWAT vehicle. That that was. That was seven people or something. Oh, no. Yeah, and seven important people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of important historical people you just um, murdered. Just straight out murdered. Not not who you should have been murdering, yes. <laughs> um, so Bill and Ted then travel to 2067 to find their aged future selves. Now living in, an, in a retirement home. They're bedridden. They're like grandpa and grandma bucket there and if you ever wondered what retirement homes would be like in the future exactly as they are now Eh, it looks a little better than nowadays okay a little better little i mean maybe that's an example of like a modern uh, one in california i don't know but it's a bit different than ours these are a little nicer nicer. okay fair enough it doesn't look like it smelled of of cleaning solution Mm -hmm. which believe me that's like your main memory when you leave those places. Yeah. <laughs> Lysol. Um, now, they, now, their old selves have no games to play with them. They don't try to trick them. They don't try to pretend that they're, that they're not who they are. They're, they, are in a, they have reached, a, uh, I guess, a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted have a real moments with each other, you know, and kind of reconcile with each other. And then Bill gives Bill a little device. It looks kind of like a thumb drive, but it's not. Yeah, it just looks like a modern thumb thumb drive, yeah. But it's not. It's a little slightly different, but, it, but basically what it looks like. And it has some mysterious writing on it, it's, but it's got their names, Preston slash Logan, which I guess is their, their writing writing credits. And then it has MP something or other, MP44 or something like that, a couple of numbers. Uh, MP46. MP46, thanks. And... And it's kind of mysterious. But then when they go to leave, they discover that their aged wives have stolen the phone booth. So they're without a phone booth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Then the killer robot appear, appears. And you're like, the game is up. But no, he confesses. Well, first he's going to kill them. No, first he's going to kill them. And then they say, they convince him that he can't because they've got the song. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, good. I don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> and then he confesses that he killed their family, that he killed their daughters. And, they, yeah. and they've gone to hell. And so then they insist that he kill them so they can rescue their daughters. I don't know if he mentioned, he said they went to hell, but he said, yeah, he's killed them. Yeah. He says, oh, you know, he confesses to killing family and sending them to hell. He says that. So then. Well, how does he send them? Sorry. How does he, does he actually say he sent them to hell? Yeah, he does. How does he, how does he send them to hell? I don't know. He did, I don't know how he knew where they ended up, but that's where they ended up. Okay. That's weird. All right. That seems unnecessary. It feels like, you know, a Bill and Ted have both died. They know how things work. Yeah. So yeah. you don't need to say like, they, yeah. Okay. We'll get, to, we'll get to it. Go ahead. So then. He won't kill them, although they demand that he does because they want to rescue their daughters. He decides he's going to kill himself. So just as the wives show up, once again, they have something important. I guess they want to tell their husbands they've been searching through time for them using their phone booth. They could have picked them up and brought them somewhere. But no, they hug the robot just as he commits suicide and he ends up killing all of them. So Bill and Ted are now dead and they're happily in hell. They're pretty, pretty stoked about this. I think it's pretty cool. They've been there before. They're a little confused why the robot is in hell. Yeah. I kind of like, they're like, whoa, a robot's in hell. That's weird. And the robot tells them that his name is, he's not, ro- name isn't robot. His name is Dennis. Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yes. And um, now here's the thing, though. We go back to the future times, back to where the great leaders are. And they know, they now have learned that Bill and Ted have been killed. And yet the upcoming cataclysm is still upcoming. So their death has not prevented anything. Mm-hmm. So the whole invention of the killer robot was a dumb idea from the get-go. We can all agree on that. It didn't seem to work out very well for anyone. Yeah. Except for this. Bill and Ted meet some helpful demons in hell. Those guys are really nice. <laughs> like, I think, for the very first time, uh, you know, I'm like kind of looking forward to hell. Because <laughs> people down there are pretty awesome. No, it's pretty bad. If you, if you watch the last film, it's not great. You don't want to do that. Well, there seems to be some shoveling going on. Everyone seems to be able to drop their shovel in and, and well, talk. Well, here's but. the thing. Like, why is... Okay. Uh, why is everyone in hell? <laughs> like, it feels... And, and I've got a reason for it. Yeah. But it's like, it's a bad reason for it. Uh, and that's that uh, the first person that we saw uh, vanish. Yeah. And all of uh, everything was Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus, uh, Jesus did not... Um, do anything after the last supper jesus did not get crucified mm. jesus did not uh you know basically you know uh, redeem humanity so everyone ended up in hell mm. and you're like wait a second was it jesus jesus was it jesus with like you know do we know it was jesus and but then you see at one point jesus is walking on water yeah uh you know and, so it's like in the no, famous uh, when they're when washing across the delaware yeah so it's like jesus no, walking across the water. that was jesus and Jesus was taken out of time before, just before his crucifixion. Mm, so okay. there, you could go if you're going with Christian, a certain Christian, you know, uh, faith situation. Yeah. Then there was no redemption for anyone, and everyone who dies ends up in hell. If because you, we never, we never, we do know God exists. We do know heaven exists. We know all that exists, but it sure doesn't exist uh, in this. Everyone just goes to hell. That's the whole thing. Because the daughters should not go to hell. They are they are good people. They are kind. Uh, I don't know if Louis Armstrong should end up in hell, but it seems like there's a lot of people there. He smoked pot. 
<laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, fair enough. So yes, so if you're a if you're a big fan of Saint An- Anselm's uh, doctrine of substitutionary atonement, then this is a uh, you can be all and over who, Ian's and theory. Honestly, who, is who isn't a fan? You're right. Who isn't a fan? I mean, I like. I'm not early, a fan, but okay. I like the early work more than I like the new stuff. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they also uh, Bill and Ted also run into Kelly who was also killed at the same time as everyone else, uh, who is on the phone fighting with her mother. Because <laughs> you can get service, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she's got a feature phone. They then find Thea and Billy. And that's a great scene. I love when they go, dads. I love when they call them dads, not just dads. Yeah, it's one of my favorite lines, which is the, uh, how you doing? Well, we died, we're in hell. <laughs> and then he says, yeah, but how you doing? <laughs> and it's just that one line that makes you go, Oh, they're good dads. Because it is that thing where, like, someone says to you, "How you doing?" Well, you know, uh, work's been work's been weird, and what this is. Yeah, but no, how are you how how you doing? Like, yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you. Like, the, <laughs> apparently, this is this is the relationship these guys have. They do talk to each other. They do share things with each other, and it's uh, it's nice. Just go, they're good dads. You know that from that line. It's like real. It's shorthand, but it works, and it's sweet. You're right. Yeah. It's very good. So then, so then, uh, they have to do one thing now, Bill and Ted. They have to escape from hell. To do that, they have to go and talk with death. And apparently, as we saw from the beginning of the film, death was in Wild Stallions for a while. Mm-hmm. He then he wasn't. So there's some baggage here. There's some past. They have a, they have a they have a history together. So they have to reconcile with death. So they go to talk to death, and he is less than friendly. I'd say. But he's such a great character. <laughs> I just love death. But anyway, uh, he's, he's bitter. He's bitter. He's lonely, and he's like he's playing games. He's playing hopscotch, and he's cheating. Yeah, and he's playing them by himself. He doesn't even playing them with someone else. Yeah, he's lonely. Poor death. Yeah, he's lonely. He's been demoted. He says. Yeah. But who I don't know. Yeah. Like you're sub death. What what what's that mean? But okay, you're de- you're are you a death? Are you the death? Yeah. Well, death isn't death isn't necessarily the big the big deal. By the way, this is this it's is just another a tool. This is another uh, thing that I think they could have done a little bit more with. Is the idea that if Bill and Ted don't write this song, mm-hmm. uh, everything in the universe will cease to exist? So, what does that mean to death? Does that mean hell will also cease to exist? Will death die? Like, or is this going to be such a headache for him because he's going to have to reap everything in the universe? At the same time, like, uh, what's the deal? Your death. You know, it seems like this would be a thing for you, but you know, it's it's not really uh, it's not really a thing. <laughs> so, so then uh, Thea and Billy go to talk to Death, mm-hmm. and basically they just fan they just fan over they just fan out they just go crazy. And legitimately too, that's the thing. They are they are yeah. sincere. Yeah, they're even like they even like provide a little bit of criticism. With with the with the with the fanishness, you know, they're like, you know, not everything was great, but but this they're playing on this was amazing, and you know the way you the the riff on this song was fantastic and stuff. Yeah, there's real this real, which is how he knows they're not bullshitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like if it was all positive, then it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like no, no, they really, really they get him and they get why he's good. Yeah, and yeah. also they're not just getting him into the band because. Uh, you know, they need to get out of hell. Yeah. But he would be good in the band. Yeah, he's good in the yeah. band. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a very touching scene. I found the scene very touching where Bill and Ted come in and they apologize to death and ask him to is 
ask him if he would consider rejoining Wild Stallions. Mm-hmm. And he's very touched. And I really, I really, I just really enjoyed that scene. I thought it was very, very good. I just want to say one thing before we, we go, uh, go on. I was coming to say this, which is I think, like Alex Winter, who's playing Bill in the film, has not acted since the movie Freaked. That was the last film he appeared in. Okay. He's, he moved behind the camera after that. He's become a documentarian. The last time I heard about him, he was um, doing a Kickstarter to do a, a Zappa documentary. And, mm. and to do a, and he seemed to be kind of involved with the Zappa family. And he was trying to arrange uh, someone to purchase the entirety of the Zappa archives, who would have enough money to then pay for the archiving of those archives. Because the problem for the Zappa family is they don't have enough money to to do a thorough archiving of Frank Zappa's many myri- many millions of feet of tape of live shows and all, and all studio recordings and stuff like that that he did over time, being a incredible workaholic. And that's the last time I heard about him was being involved in this project. And do you remember the movie Freak? Did you see that film? Uh, I've seen bits of it, but I have not seen it. I've read a lot about it in uh, Film Threat. Yeah, that's me too. And I actually rented it. It was funny. I rented Freaked and Ace Ventura on the same night. Neither film had I seen. And I really enjoyed them both. But I remember Lisa going to bed early because she was just so disgusted by both films. She just thought, this is idiotic. What dumb, stupid, idiot stuff this is. What year did Freaked come out? Oh, it would have been... Oh, eight, uh, 93. I was just going to say that. It would have been 93 because Lisa and I were he, living in the apartment together. Okay, but he did. He was also in Grand Piano uh, with Elijah Wood and, and John Cusack uh, oh. in 2013. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Oh, that's... Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, he does a really good job in this movie. Yeah. For someone who's not been acting a lot then, you know, that's, he does a really great job. Like, I really... You know, obviously, it's a character that he loves, and so he can just probably just step into it, but... He does a really good good job with that character, I thought. Do you notice there's something just completely off, a little bit off to the side, which I thought, I hoped was going to be in here, but but wasn't in here, um, which there was a, did you see the Walmart ad that they did with like all the different uh, aliens and sci-fi uh, characters like last year? And and he was one of them, like it was a, it was a Bill. Oh, no, uh, I didn't show, see Yeah, Bill shows up in the phone booth. But oh, he shows okay. up as his, as his age now yeah. and as Bill from the movie, like yeah, the yeah. original movie. And the two of them are like interacting with each other a little bit and, you know, doing the guitar together. And I was like, oh, that's neat. Oh, I bet that'll be in the, in the new movie. Uh, <laughs> they're showing off what they can do here. We're going to see like young, the young versions of themselves interacting with the older versions of themselves. That'll be neat. But, yeah. but no, it's just in the Walmart ad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm pro Alex uh, Alex Winter. Yeah, I thought he did, did a really great job. I mean, yeah. of course, we know that Keanu Reeves will do a fine job as, as Ted, but I actually think Alex Winter did a better job as Bill than he did as Ted. And there's a thing too, I think, where Keanu Reeves has built so much goodwill mm. in the last little while. Yeah, that it, that he does bring that definitely into this movie as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a good time to it's a good time to be uh, having this movie. And we're saying neither of these guys should be in hell. <laughs> so then uh death returns everyone to life in ted oh yeah oh wait that's the other thing that happens in hell as well is ted's dad is there yeah and he, he apologizes for not believing his son he says everything that you said happened happened and i i'm sorry that i've been in your way all these years that i you know i should have been helping you and i wasn't and i really want to apologize for that yeah, it's good father, uh, yeah, father a good... child uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, nice. And I like that uh, Bill accepts his apology. And he goes, "I didn't mean you, Bill." <laughs> that was good. So then, uh, yeah, so they all they all return, 
to, to life. And they find that things on Earth are getting pretty bad. There's a lot of, you know, there's the pyramids appearing and the Eiffel Tower in front of them. And they're right in San Dimas, California, which is not where they should be. Yeah, this is where, this is again where I think they were jokes that were like uh, left on the table. Okay. It's like, you know, you're seeing the uh, Great Pyramids appear. Mm -hmm. You're seeing, uh, you know, you're seeing the Eiffel Tower appear. You're seeing all these historical figures like, you know, Queen Elizabeth appear. And we're not doing anything with them. We're Mm -hmm. not doing a joke with them. We're not, where would be a weird place for Queen Elizabeth to appear? Where would be a weird place for Lincoln to appear? In the theater, watching something? It's like, this wasn't the show I came to see. Something like, I mean, we've had Lincoln already, so you shouldn't do Lincoln. But like, you know, other historical characters. Where's a funny place for, uh, to show up? You know, uh, the Alexander Hamilton is, is watching a production of Hamilton going like, what? <laughs> you know, anything like that. Like, what, or people you would not normally see together would be, would be interesting. You know? <sighs> yeah, they have feels... they have to get to the end of the film though. So... I know, but 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 it doesn't take it doesn't take any less time to do a joke than it does to just go. Oh, there's Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, there's you know over yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. Where would George Washington show up if he's not on that boat? All right, he's on something else. Yeah. Like, what? Well, that's why I was that's why I was sort of wondering about the direction of this film. Is like it feels like. Like it this it felt like till you told me it was Galaxy Quest director. It felt like it wasn't directed by a, a comedy director, mm-hmm. and then they're not allowing like for bits or for little bits of business and maybe in thinking imaginatively on the set to create you know sort of humor and you know moments of humor and stuff like that. Allow the actors to have a little bit of not Judd Apatow levels of improv, God no, but allowing the actors to have a little bit of say in in, in their roles and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and Bill and Ted are charming. And they and 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 I like them. Yeah. But they don't really have a lot of jokes. No. That they do. No, you're they're right. not. They're not the fish out of water in a weird space. You know, uh, they go to hell and they're immediately like, yeah, hell, we know hell. We're, we've been here before. Okay, so let's go. <laughs> like it's they're not shocked or in awe of anywhere they go. Yeah. They show up. Yeah. In the in the future in the prison thing, and it's not like whoa. You know, there's no whoa. It's you know the biggest whoa was this is a big mansion. Mm, yeah, I guess. It's not that big a deal when you know you've met God. You know, it's like okay, supposed to, supposed you know what? You can still appreciate the little things. It's not all. You, sh- you, sh- you sure can, but what part of the fun of Bill and Ted is having them react to things, <laughs> and uh, they don't get to react to too much because, again, as you say, they're pushing the plot along, pushing the plot along. Yeah, and it's like mm, a little bit, a little bit more, but you know, for comedy's sake, go, go, go. But again, still charming, still, uh, still, still nice. I was just trying to see what the film cost. Uh, I can't see anything here on the uh, budget was twenty five million dollars. Oh, really? So that's not very much, actually. I can see why. I can see why a lot was left on the table. Whew. Small budget. Yeah, I wonder what the budget. I'm gonna just quickly look and see what the budget was for the uh, for the first movie. Yeah. That uh, that's interesting. Uh, budget for the first movie was six point five million dollars. So. Approximately the same amount, probably if you, you know, if you went up with, you know, if you account for inflation. Yeah, it could be. And then the second movie was twenty million dollars. So quite a bit more than than e- either the first or third film. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They threw some money at that one. Oh, sorry. I'm just noticing that in the second film, uh, the voice of Satan was Frank Welker. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> Scooby Doo. Satan was the voice of Scooby Doo. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So they return. So things are getting bad. So the girls are like, okay, dad, we got you the band. 
we're going to play the song. And the dads have to admit, we don't have the song. Be- oh, because they broke the little thumb drive that was given to them by their, a- their right. ancient selves yeah, as a way to get, a- the, get the robot to kill them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Which I like. They're going to sacrifice everything for their daughters, which is, which is very, very nice, including their own lives. Yes, yes. So then... Uh, this is when Joe and Liz arrive in in the in the phone booth. This is why you have the. It's only the one phone booth there actually because they came via death. But anyway, all right. So then they they yeah they they arrive with the phone booth and they. This is when uh, one of them says that they have discovered that time is simultaneous, which is very interesting to me as because that's how how I think of it. But um, but before this happens, sorry, my favorite scene in the film is the scene right now where Bill and Ted realize that Thea and Billy are the actual songwriters, saviors of the universe, that it's their skills, their knowledge of music, their ability as synthesizers of music to take all, all you know, all these influences that they know that they have brought to this to to this place, to take all of this and make it into this fantastic song, that it's up to them. And so they are more than ready to do this. And with the arrival of the wives, this allows um Bill and Ted to go to to go into infinite time by pushing the infinite sign on the on the on the uh, on the booth on the the little payphone device in the booth, man, what an old! <laughs> I guess I wonder if anyone any kids are watching that going, what are they in? But mm-hmm. um, the uh, yeah, it will allow them to distribute instruments throughout time because the idea is that not only it's supposed to be played throughout throughout the universe and throughout time. So so Thea and Bill. B- b- Billy begin to organize the band into a into a unity. So it starts off everyone's it's very very chaotic. No one's everyone's kind of doing their own thing. They're not playing as a group. They're playing individually, and it's up to the girls to like take this this group of incredibly talented people and have them work together and and create something magical. And that's that's what they're able to do. And they kind of add their own twist because oh geez, I keep I'm, using my, I'm swinging my book around like an idiot and hitting my microphone. I'll stop ah. that. They they are able to. Um, they're able to take their. They also add some stuff with like some DJ stuff with some bloop bloops and stuff on on their, you know, like some synthesizers and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's really great. And then of course Bill and Ted return, and they, they their their daughters give them guitars to play, and they add their peculiar own wild stallion sound to the song with their unison guitar playing. Yeah, I would like to you know when we talk about the guy who wanted to buy his Les Paul, I would like to have seen like. You know that the person who was trying to buy his Les Paul was someone famous or whatever who was actually trying to help. Was actually in someone. Was actually Les Paul. Les Paul would have been great. <laughs> so, so there you go. And so, I guess they must have put out like a call via the internet for people to either dress as Bill and Ted or film themselves playing instruments. And because that's what they got, they have all these people from around the world playing instruments in various ways, and that's really it's pretty heartwarming to watch it's actually. pretty touching especially yeah, now yeah. yeah yeah that's really great and then and then there's like a little brief cut to the robot practicing his dancing yeah actually he wanted to uh, be part of it yeah the the robot is very close to um being on the spectrum like we thought like <laughs> this is the first asperger's robot sort of scene and well, yeah he was and, and and even though we're not really like selling it the robot's hilarious like every everything that the robot says is just great and it's yeah. so surreal yeah it's yeah. it's 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 one of those things that like really does fit into the bill and ted world this yeah. is the world where you would find two aliens in heaven who would fit together and make a robot this robot that's just like 
his name is what? His name is <laughs> Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> it's like okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's he's he's he is pretty great. And um, the uh, oh, I'm blanking on the the rapper's name again. What was it? Uh, Kid, Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi. It's also uh, somehow um, an incarnation of Station from the uh, from the second movie because he does the Station Station thing, and they they recognize him as Station. So somehow this is a version of Station as well. Oh, I don't know what that means, but okay. Okay, Station is the alien from the second oh, film. Oh, oh, I, I see. Okay, about. okay. Yeah. Okay. And 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 it it feels like Kid Cudi is doing the old bit from um, Bill, not Bill and Ted, but Wayne's World, where they would be talking to uh, Alice Cooper, and then Alice Cooper all of a sudden would like uh, spew out something about the nature of time and space, and that would just be deeply philosophical. But they went a different route with uh, Kid Cudi, and that no, no, he actually knows all this stuff. It's not just a one-off gag. He's yeah. just a genius. And then they pay it <laughs> off by going like, Station. Oh, he was Station the whole time. I don't 100% know how that works, and but he's <laughs> uh, he's a version of Station. Okay, fine. It Maybe he asked for that. Okay. And they said, all right, if you want. No, it works. It works for it because it justifies it, and it isn't just uh, – isn't it funny how this uh, rapper is a smart – it's like no, no. He's he's an incarnation of this alien being that's a genius. Ah, very good. Okay, that also works. <laughs> well, I was thinking the other day that I haven't I haven't rated a film for a long time on Fansplainer, so I'm going to rate this film. I'm going to give it three out of five. All right. So I thought it was pretty good. Okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought, the, I, would, I, thought the, I would recommend it. Yeah, I would recommend it too. I think the ending is uh, is uh, really really strong. I think uh, everyone is generally charming in it. The only thing I would say is it needed. Uh, another rewrite just to gag it up. I would like, agree with you. I I feel like maybe they were too trusting in the fact that oh these guys wrote the first film, probably forgetting the fact that there was some punching up done on the original scripts as well because most mm-hmm. Hollywood scripts get punched up, and maybe they just thought maybe with twenty five million they just didn't feel like paying someone to come in and or a couple of people to come in and do a little bit of a add a bit of gloss to the add a add a nice little shine to it and they did they didn't which is too bad because yeah it could have used a few gags. Yeah, I. Uh... I've uh, I've blanked completely. Oh, oh yeah, here was here was one aspect I also kind of liked was um, that uh, Ted had issues with uh, with all of his other selves. Yes, Bill was immediately like <laughs> hugging them and totally fine. It's just like you always have problems with yourself. Yeah, yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, what's that about? Hmm. Okay. All right. I can see. I can see that. I can well, see that. And that's interesting because yeah, in the in the when they're old and he, they're talking and he says. Uh, he says, I never felt like I knew you. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting, uh, you know, if to know thyself. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. It's like, all right. That's a weird, deep thing to throw in there. But it's, <laughs> I don't know. It feels like those writers have never had trouble with the idea of adding like these sort of com- complex layers to the story. So, which I've always sort of appreciated. I think, you know, I think despite our our um, our feelings that maybe they, maybe they, could have used like a little, a few more gags and stuff like that. I think, I think the heart and the heart of this movie is always in the right place. You know, there's, you know, like the, uh, so many times in it where you're just like, ah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, yeah, I just, I just wish they were a little clearer with that. It's not time travel when they keep visiting themselves because it can't, it wouldn't work. It doesn't work. And yeah. And, and I would like to have seen more of, yeah, Bill and Ted traveling through time and seeing mm-hmm. things and, you know, and maybe interacting even with their daughters more. Like again, it's good. It's good payoff at the end. Uh, like such a great, 
a bunch of people in the cast that would have been again a little bit more would have been would have been nice would have been nice um yeah yeah i'm just greedy greedy for more but <laughs> i know that could I, be I a sign it, of a good film too though if you feel like you didn't get enough of certain things that's uh you know that's that's how it goes and uh i hope i hope they like do you think that they'll do any more after this or is this uh this it you know i kind of hope have... not i hope well here's the thing i hope they do but i hope it's a thea and billy and not a bill and ted yeah i think that's the way to go definitely mm-hmm. and then you can also get christian shawl and then you get those three. Yeah. And now we got something. Now we got something happening. Yeah. Yeah. She can be the Rufus be. character for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, <laughs> again, I keep flashing back to the uh, the Bill and Ted TV series and just going. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> they tried. They tried, and they were very nice actors. They were just so nice. One one last question before uh, before this end. So I'm just thinking of Bill. Bill. I'm just thinking of George Carlin in the first. Um, first films yes now he's a funny person yes he is. I, i've heard and is he particularly funny in the movies though i feel like he's just there as like a messenger he's more a reactor to yeah things. yeah so i just kind of thinking that it's sort of unfair to like say well why isn't christian Shalmer funny well it's just not a funny role it's the same as george carlin he just was there too he, yes it'd be better to make them funny but sometimes you just want a character to do their thing but the biggest problem with this film is that no time in the movie does neither of the characters say to each other, weird things are afoot at the Circle K. So I don't think Circle Ks exist anymore, do they? Or do they? I, or do they? Yep, they do. Oh, they do? Yeah, they're in Canada here now. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I okay. just uh, I bought, a, I bought a pop at one when I was on the islands. Now, how do you feel about, uh, because you are uh, a fella who's uh, in your 50s, who uh, when Bill and Ted were in the 80s uh, as teenagers, you yeah. as well. Or a teenager in the 80s. You enjoyed uh, music uh, in the 80s. Yes. As well. Um, and now you do uh, work with your uh, with your daughter uh, on a podcast called that's, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. That's true. Uh, where you talk over music and you uh, basically are setting her up as the future of podcasting. Did you relate <laughs> to this movie in any way? As someone who, you know. Well... I'll say that cool children who love their dads and has a have an interest in music. Yeah, that's that's definitely where on one level I connected to this film for sure. I did. I really appreciated the relationship with the daughters. It was great. You appreciate me plugging your other podcast? I did. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you're very welcome. I, I couldn't be happier. There. Um, George <laughs> Carlin's daughter Kelly uh, also uh, does a little cameo. Oh, uh, in this as uh, yeah, one of uh, Kelly's followers. Uh, yeah. When he's one of Kelly's followers. Yeah, it says like one of Kenny's followers. So like someone who is like assisting Kelly in the, uh, in the, um, in the movie, like a yeah. uh, Kirsten Dahl's character. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember the scene. Hm. Well, maybe it's on it's, the cutting room floor. Uh, no, I think it was, th- I think it was there. And, uh, we gotta, we gotta now watch it one more time. I'm trying to see where this is here. Uh, is it going to say, uh, Starman? Uh, that's too much research. People hear me, people hear me doing this. I don't know. Well, just so you know, I watched this film twice. Did you? Yeah, because I watched it. I just watched it through just to enjoy it. And then I um, I was going to take notes, but I was I was liking it too much. So I stopped and then I just watched it. And so then I had to go back and uh, rewatch it just to make sure I, I got all the plot points. Okay. So I was kind of, I was watching it and I was fast forwarding through it and also writing. So I wasn't really a true re- rewatch, but you know. I was like I was like a millennial rewatch. I was like on my phone and I 
I was writing stuff and I was talking to my friends and, you know, well, I'm going to say like, vaping. if there's a, if there's someone out there who wants to make a, uh, an eighties, uh, redo movie, a good way of doing it is to have uh, lead actors who have not been terrible in the last 30 years, uh, towards people <laughs> and done awful things. And, uh, they, uh, had that with this. So that was good. That was pretty lucky. Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. lucky. There's not a lot of them out there. Yeah. Everyone's uh, everyone's aged well uh, in both body and soul, so uh, good for, good for them. But yeah, no, I did enjoy it as well, and I would recommend it. Uh, and if they do do uh, more with the with the daughters, thumbs up. I'm all uh, I'm all on board. Yeah, I would uh, I would watch those. Do I feel like this do... is a great ending for the, for the Bill and Ted characters. You don't need we don't need to yeah. do any more movies about them. It would, That's right. We'd just be beating a dead horse. But you're glad you're glad what? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, again, I have just completely lost track of what I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. I thought my, just, my brief little uh, interruption there, I was hoping, I didn't mean to derail you entirely, sorry. That's okay. I hope, uh, I hope uh, people in the movie got out of hell, because that seemed to be too many people in hell. <laughs> all things yeah, worked out well, for them. Christ did, return, it, Christ did return to the last, the last supper, so. Yeah. So, thanks hopefully. to, thanks to Bill and Ted. Thanks to Bill and Ted. <laughs> Substitutionary atonement to stay. carry on, yeah. Yes, yeah. well worked out. Just a little bit sacrilegious, and why not? And <laughs> yeah, why what, the not? what the heck? Just a movie, everyone. Okay, well, with that, I think we can uh, tell everyone that if you would like to write to us with your thoughts about Bill and Ted deface the music and why they stole the title of a 1980s Utopia album. Right, that really bothers a lot of people. <laughs> are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a riot over this. Um, you can write to us. Here are the ways to write to us. We have a website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. The show will be posted there. You can go there and leave comments underneath the show at sneaky, uh, SneakyDragon.com. And you can, or if you'd like, if you want to be more private with your uh, missives, you can email us at SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. You can make snarky comments on Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. You can make non-snarky comments on Facebook we have a sneaky dragon page there as well and if you go to our website you will find in the menu contact us you will find all these ways of contacting us as well as our snail mail address so that is another way to contact us so there you go well this has been excellent (laughs) and outstanding i i'm i'm glad you suggested this film Mm -hmm. thanks for that you're welcome so i saw two good films this weekend ah (laughs) And if there's a way that I can see one of the other ones, I will safely. <laughs> Apparently, not not of not uh, not being just shown in in America. It's what? It's not being shown in America. Yeah, I got that impression from a YouTube video I watched. He said, "If you're in a country where you can see Tenant in a theater, shut up." Mm-hmm. So I thought, "Wow." <laughs> I thought, "Wow, okay, that's okay, interesting." Yeah, but uh, yeah, I went to like an an old rundown Cineplex. In uh, Victoria, it was based in a what looked like a like an actual old fashioned theater. It had like the old it was an, it was an Odeon theater, but it had like you know that kind of su- uh, neon sign that stretches up the building, mm-hmm. you know. So it's kind of sort of a like a fin shaped sign that comes down, and it's and it said Odeon and neon and and stuff. And then it was kind of overlaid with the Cineplex Odeon stuff. But the theater had like sounds haunted. This sounds very haunted. <laughs> the theater had um. The theater had these nice uh, reclining seats in it, like the the the, the Cineplex at, in West Vancouver there. Mm-hmm. So that was very very nice. So watch a long Christopher Nolan movie. All Christopher Nolan movies are long. 
Yep. Sounds good. Now I, uh, I, I sat near him once. That's all I got to say. <laughs> nice. It was for a long, it was for a long event as well. So, you know, I got that kind of length and it was like, you want to turn to him and go, how do you like it? Huh? That's getting a little numb, huh? There you are. Anyway. <laughs> I was watching a, uh, YouTube video today by a, by a, a video essayist, a film essayist I like to watch. And he was writing about the greatness of the, what he called the Gonzo blockbuster. That is a movie that's not necessarily a great film. He said a lot of them have trouble with the story. But when you what you see on the screen is a ton of imagination. Okay. And he was just saying, like, so many blockbusters that come out nowadays are all kind of cookie cutter. Everything looks the same. There's not that, you know, like, there's no, like, detail to it. It's, you know, and then he was sort of talking about Valerian, um, the Wachowski's, uh, Jup- what's that one? Jupiter, Saturn, something like that? Jupiter, whatever that one is. Not yeah. sure, sorry. With Mila Kunis in it. And, uh, you know that one? Anyway, everyone else uh, everyone else knows right. what it's called, and they're all mad at us. All right, they're all yelling at things. They're all yelling at us. That those movies. Um, what else did he have in there? Oh, no, boy, I was going like, oh yeah, gee, this is this is a this is an interesting list of movies. No, I can't remember any of them. But it was just sort of yeah, he was just talking about like how you know like they're crazy. They're just like crazy movies. But there's like so much imagination and so much thought put into what you're seeing on the screen. And I thought that was sort of interesting. I feel that way, but. About Tenet, that would be my one capsule review of it. It is kind oh, of a, yeah. it is kind of a Gonzo blockbuster, just because it it's a really big idea movie, you know. I'm just looking up a list of uh, weirdest blockbuster movies, <laughs> and we got Pulp Fiction, we got Elf, we got Gone Girl, we got yeah, something see, about those Mary. Are, yeah, that's not really what he's what he's going on about. It's more, it's more, right. it's more the kind of modern blockbuster science fiction sort of based stuff where he was kind of talking about he's comparing uh, Captain Marvel mm-hmm. with another film and he's just kind of showing like the level of detail in like you know in the in every scene in this film you know like it's full of all these different aliens and the background has all this neat stuff in it so these like great ideas you know maybe let's say let's say it's valerian you know and you've got them you know you're you're introduced and like you know you have the the space station scene and you have all these different aliens of different kinds all these really cool aliens and then you go to this planet and it's like this great world building where you have this whole whole race of alien people and they have their and it's all thought out like their whole kind of social structure and and everything that's all thought out and then you then you cut to you know the protagonist finally and and they go to this planet where there's like a a, this weird multi-dimensional market where you know you have to you know you know what i mean like it's this idea 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 all the time and then you've got captain marvel and she's like on the planet kree and there's like they're on a subway and they're in some rooms and there's a vaguely in the distance. There's some buildings that are sort of futuristic, I guess, but you can't really see them very well, so it yeah. doesn't matter. And it's just kind of just. And then they go to a planet, and the planet's all dark and foggy, and you can't see anything, you know. And, and it just feels like, did anyone want to like think about what the planet looked like and make it look cool or something? No, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was sort of an interesting point, uh, just to kind of contrast in terms of in terms of what you know. And whereas Captain Marvel was one of the biggest earners of the year valerian wasn't and i and i would argue that both those films had lots of story trouble and why one was why one was way bigger than the other when you know i thought valerian had tons of imagination to it stuff like that and had problems obviously and and i think miscast would be one of the biggest ones and the dialogue was was very very clang. <laughs> i think one of the very first things that was said was, yeah think, like, i think yeah, yeah. talk about a relationship or something yeah all right here we go. Whereas the opening of uh, yeah, the opening is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and well, they, if, and everyone, even... if everyone just shuts up, 
movie. And even, ah, talk. even other parts of the film are great when she puts the puts the squid on her or the the jellyfish on her head to to remember something that's been erased from her mind and yeah. when uh when she's in that little place or that where they end up with those kind of creatures then they're gonna eat uh oh man i can't remember i can't remember their, his partner but anyway when they're gonna you know she's wearing that fantastic hat this is i just just love the hat she's wearing in that scene it's just so crazy there's just so many little touches like that that are do you remember like it's like a big white wide-brimmed yeah, I think hat so, yeah I think I think just in general, uh, turn off the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah. turn off the sound. Actually, like, <laughs> I don't remember the soundtrack with the exception of the opening being great either. So just watch the visuals. And go, that's yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah. You know what I'd say? Uh, put on a podcast. Listen to that. <laughs> watch that movie. Go. That's a good looking movie. Enjoy it. There you go. All right. Well, let's let's wrap her up. All right. Let's do it. Uh, bye, everyone. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, be excellent to each other. <laughs> party on, dude. That's a different uh, franchise. Oh, darn it. Be, be excellent. Doesn't he say party on? He does say party on. Does he? Okay, yeah. It sounds, yeah. Like a, sounds like a Wayne Campbell thing, but okay. <laughs> well, Wayne Campbell is boring a lot from uh, Bill and Ted. Fair enough. That's an <laughs> argument you can have with Mike Myers. <laughs> we all, let's just say, they all owe a couple of bucks to uh, Sean Penn. Right? Well, Cameron oh. Crowe, the writer of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Split the, <laughs> mo- split the money then. <laughs> Sean Penn's great in that movie, though. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. And we're in hell. But how you doing? We're good. good.